Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Thank you for listening to this Podcast One Sportsnet production. Available on Apple Podcasts and Podcast One. Welcome to Real Jam Radio. I'm Daniel, your host, and so happy to be with you for this episode. This is a continuation of an annual tradition. Super excited about it. Arturo Galetti and I reviving the Over Under podcast that we've done, and this is incredibly long. <laughs> Most of you have probably already seen the length on this. This is just the Eastern Conference. We have a whole other conversation, which is about this long, on the West, which is going to be next week's podcast, because I have to take the time to edit these monsters. But it's wonderful. Arturo is one of my favorite guests for for these and, you know, generally, of course. And you can also check out that he's doing work for Daily Roto now and helping them put together their NBA product. And this episode is brought to you by Bombfell, which is a wonderful way for men to get new clothes. I've been using it now. And so you go to bombfell.com slash realgm and you get $25 off your first order. And FanDuel, a great fantasy option. And I've something I've been trying a lot more. Go to fanduel.com and click the join now button, type in realgm, tells them you came from us and you get free entry into a big money contest. And yeah, this episode's a monster. It's significantly over two hours, and it will have timestamps. You can look in the episode description and you can check it out. It's always important with these, but remember that we talk about teams outside of their section too, because like Cavs and Celtics and numerous other ones, you kind of have to. So hope you enjoy it. I love doing it, and this is the East. Thanks so much for coming on. Uh, it's a pleasure to be on. Uh, I think this is year, what, five, four? I'm not even sure. It's, I think it's four or five. Yeah, it's been a while. Some enterprising listener will go back and listen to it. And we're going to start this year with the Eastern Conference, which is, I think, actually what we've done most of the time. And the way that we do this for people who are unfamiliar is we go by the Vegas over-under projections from worst to best. It's just the way we've always done it. I do enjoy it that way. So if you want the more of the sex appeal of the top teams, but I actually think the lower end of this are some of the more interesting ones for for over under purposes and so of course that means we're starting with the chicago bulls yeah actually i did want to mention that like last year uh for all all picks we went i went 70 percent right uh, danny went 60 percent. i went for the ones we said bet on i went 80 percent right and 67 percent right for danny which means both danny and i beat the big right so if we'd actually gone down to vegas and put money on this we would have made money because Woo. Two thirds, and this is actually fairly consistent. We like when we say, "Hey, we feel good about it." Generally, a good thing, right? So, I mean, like if you're in a place where you do that and you enjoy that, hey, take a chance. You know, you never know. Okay, so let's start with, and this is actually kind of sad because it's the first time we haven't started with the uh, 76ers. So, I think like we can basically say, "Hey, you know, do, are we burying the process this year?" 
Well, we'll have to see. I mean, that's just, it, it's going to be, when we talk about the Sixers, we'll have a feeling for it, but it's definitely a different stage in the whole thing this year. Hopefully, I mean, hopefully they're better than that, but the Bulls, I mean, just on a talent perspective, they're they're at a, at a totally different place. I mean, they won 41 games last year, but nobody cares about that. And so the lines that you pulled, one was 21 and a half, one was 22 and a half, not much variance between those two. What I was struck by, and I'm guessing you're going to feel the same way, is just that that is such a low number that even though I think the Bulls are going to be bad, winning only 20, 21 or 22 games is just too low to expect for a team. Yeah. All the statistical models thinks, think the Bulls are going to be better than that. Like, So we have got three statistical models. One's 26, one's 30, and the other's 30. The problem being that I do think that like the Bulls have no incentive to win. And actually, like I think they're going to try really hard not to win. So I think they want the draft picks. So it's a really kind of interesting conundrum because I don't think they're going to be competitive. And there's a bit of a tweak, which is I, this year is going to be strange because like the, the NBA has been tweaking the schedule. So it means that like you're not going to have all those scheduled losses that you typically have. So I do think that, a team, that like it's going to be easier for teams to lose a ton of games. Because you're not going to have those games where like people just show up like you know hey they're they're on, a, on they're on the on the fourth night uh, fourth or fifth night for a game. This roster is not good. It's really not good. I mean I think the the trade that they made is is one of the I mean it's not the worst trade because hey the the Kings exist but it's a really bad trade. I'm talking about the the Jimmy Butler trade. I mean who's the best player on this team next year? Like for the course of the entire year? Probably Robin Lopez. And we're at maybe point, Zach. I mean, if if I if I felt a hundred percent that Zach Levine was going to come back, it's probably it's probably Levine. But I mean, without that, Robin Lopez is going to be a steady performer. He's actually not the type of guy that you want on a tanking team, even though he's not good enough to win you games. Yeah, I mean, but you you can work around that if you scheme properly. I can we can count on Fred Hoiberg like scheming him his advantages out. Like, are we thinking Dwayne Wade's on the Cavs before the season starts? I don't think it happens before the season starts, but I think it happens relatively soon. I mean, really, what the question is going to be is that Chicago is going to start out the year saying, "Hey, you're going to have to give up a meaningful amount of money," and he's going to say no, and then eventually they'll come to a number. But I think it's going to be closer to like if I had to say December or January, then it is going to be now also because then Chicago can sell tickets like, Hey, look, Dwayne Wade's still here. They can do that for a little while, but I'm not super confident in that at this point. I think Cristiano actually looking at this, like the, by my, by the numbers, like Cristiano Felicio might be the best player on this team. I like Felicio uh, a lot. Like it was a weird thing because I, he, I think he got overpaid even though I like him, but also he's blocked because you can't play Felicio and Lopez together. So like, I think that there are elements of the Bulls. Basically, I think the argument for, and I, I think they're going to go over, but the reason why is just because it's hard wow. for a team to win 20 games. Wow, it's... Ooh, mm, I don't feel comfortable um, about it, though. I would not bet this, but I... I, I, I just, kind of feel it's going to be the under, and I kind of feel it, like... Because I think what's going to happen is they're just going to give people the... Like, they're just going to give people the night off. This is a really terrible team, and I think they're going to try very, very hard to get a lot of ping-pong balls. I well, think so, so a question I wanted to ask you about that is just kind of from where you're seeing this, will they need to be at, like, 20 wins to have the worst record? Because I think the bottom got a little bit better this year. But I, I mean, um, the Nets, we're going to talk so about soon enough and all that. So I don't think they need to get to 20. We'll, we'll talk about this. The Nets have no incentive to tank. So the Nets the Nets are, we, when we get to that, I'll be more optimistic for the Nets. But, like, we've got the Bulls, the Hawks, the Knicks, the Pacers, the Kings, the Suns. Who else am I forgetting here? The Mavs, maybe? 
the Grizzly, Maybe. possibly? I mean, like, we've got, like, teams, like, the, the race to the bottom is going to be really hardcore. And as I said before... It's going to be, it's gonna be thick, but I think a lot of those teams are better. Are you, better. Like, I don't think... I think there are going to be a lot of teams around 25. You're, you're underestimating... This, this is what I was trying to do before the start of the podcast, which I was trying to simulate the schedule. But you're underestimating the effect, like, getting rid of a lot of those back-to-backs and getting rid of those 4-5, to five because you don't... Like, that hard floor at 9... You know, anywhere from like nine to fifteen losses or wins is gonna be kind of gone. I think like you're gonna get like most of the time you're gonna get a team coming in at least on a, on on like a one day rest, or they're not gonna be coming on four or fifth. So getting rid of those scheduled losses is gonna is gonna make that bottom I think lower. So I kind of expect that it's going like I mean I think that twenty one twenty two is probably right. So I mean I would be thinking for this team under and probably fade is, is, is okay. I think you're I think you're gonna go over and fade and I think I'm gonna go under and fade. And the problem is like I, I do think that they're going to need to like they, they might not win a game in April or like <laughs> they might not, they might not win, win a game in March or April. Right, because it's gonna be like you know, it's gonna be kind of one of these nights where they're gonna have a game where it's gonna be Chicago and Atlanta, and like basically they're gonna go into triple overtime because nobody wants to win, right? <laughs> and and it, it, it's go, and it's gonna be hell, and we're gonna be watching it, and it's gonna be like, oh god. Well, let's so think, let's go let's go into Atlanta. I mean, so because we we have our we have our opinions so we, on the under go ahead. under fade and over fade, right? Yeah. Yeah. So with Atlanta, with Atlanta, what's what I find compelling about them is from a talent perspective, I think that you're you're pretty much right that they're or they're in this 20s, maybe a little bit low 20s range. But what I think is different about them is, first of all, I think they have a better coach. Budenholzer has done a better job with them, though he has never had a p- coach a team this bad. So that'll be something a little bit different. Well, but he's also, had, he's had some bad teams. I mean, we don't. I mean, like we we've seen kind of like Atlanta like well remember that one year when they were hurt and they, they almost like pulled up the first round up, upset but yeah, like so that's I mean, true but but so so where I'm going with this is so their line is set at 25 and a half is I think they're going to outperform their talent level and I think I would play the over it's one of those that's on the border of stay away but I think I'd play it just because I think that they will outperform it by a little bit and I don't believe that they're gonna even though Travis Schlank might be a better voice for this than they've had before I don't think that they're going to fully tank until it's too late. I, I'm, I'm honestly where, like, I think the Bulls number is too low. I think the number for the, the Hawks is, is more enticing because, again, I think that they're going to have to, like, go low to keep pace. Who's their best player? Dwayne Dedman? Dedman and Schroeder, depending on, depending on the night. And you know Schroeder is kind of like, like he, he, he's come and go. I'm actually leaning toward, I mean, under in play for this team. And by the way, kiddies, like if you're playing at home, like keep in mind the under is always the best bet. Like if you if you bet just under on everything, uh, the lines are actually like set so that there's like every team on average has like an extra half a win, right? If you average everything out, so generally playing the under is a good play bet. Man, I think 25 is it feels like 25, 24, 23. I think they're going to be they're going to want those ping pong balls, right? I should really, I should really open the. I need to open the. the I'm going to plug the real GM like drafts detailed because I want to make sure that like the they have their the, own pick. Yeah, but I, I want to make sure that for the teams, I'm going to need this. I think the Hawks are going to be tanking, and I think 24-25. I, I think I'm good enough to say that that's going to be right. It's weird. I mean, it's just I think the incentives for this team are there, right? And I think that again, I think I think the Bulls are going to be in the 23-24 range, and I think the Hawks are going to be have to be right there with them. Right. I mean, do you would you disagree with that? I mean, are you saying over for this team? I, I, I'm saying over. 
And now I'm going towards fade. I'm going to say over fade because so the reason is that I think they're going to defend. And so they're just going to win a couple of extra games by trying hard and and being better in that way. Like their offense is going to be abysmal though. This is X, this is X burst staff and X burst front office guys. And X warriors too. Right. right. And you remember what they, what the, what that kind of guy, when they got into the tank in Philadelphia did, it's just, they went faster. Which means, like, and here's the little trick for anybody else in the room. A team, when a team plays faster, that means if you're bad, you're worse. And so by playing faster, I mean, they'll also, like, raise the point averages. Everyone will score more. They'll look better overall. And so it'll be really interesting. So I think that this team will basically just run, 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 score, and basically raise the value of the assets they have. But they'll also lose a ton of games because they're doing that, right? So they'll just, like... And and that will raise the value of the assets they have in place, and that will put them in a better position to get the drafting. So I think the under, and I think play for me, right? That's that's what I kind of feel for this. The other element of it that I would like to look into more, if I if I have the time, is who they play when, because I think they're going to be trying more at the beginning of the year. I mean, Budenholzer, a bunch of these guys are playing for contracts of varying forms. And so if they play, you know, the Suns and the Kings of the world in November and in October, they'll do better than if they play those teams in March and April when they're when they might already be mid tank themselves. So yeah, that's mean, something to consider. It, it's a really I think where the line is like if this line was set like uh, like two or three wins, like say if this line was like 28. We, we, oh we, yeah, then I think the key is what you said is like what's it going to take to get those ping pong balls? And I'm thinking historically that's going to be around 20, and I think that the, the Hawks going to be shooting for that. So that's why I went under. Do you do you want the over for this or? I'll I'll take the over, but fade it. I, I, I'm not going to bet it, but I just think they're a little bit better than this, and I think they're going to be competitive. But we could talk about the Nets. The Nets won 20 last year. I think everybody would agree that they got better. They're going to be healthier. And and it's crazy because originally in the offseason, I was going to say they weren't. They lost Brooke Lopez. But then getting Lynn back, getting D'Angelo Russell, getting Alan Crabb, Damari Carroll, you know, they, they kind of went in a weird, not a win now mode, but a win more now mode. And so... Vegas responded they have, to that. They have, Vegas, Vegas has them seven wins higher than last year. Our statistical models all have them anywhere from like 10 to 12 wins higher. They have zero incentive to lose, like none. Like basically like they, they, they don't own their picks. And it's, it's now like, Cleveland's pick. Right. And everybody on that team wants to win because it's guys who like want jobs, like not necessarily here, but want somewhere else. So, you know, I, I mean, I love the over for this team, like 26 and a half, like sign me up. Like I could not love the over more for the Nets. Right, particularly since I think there's going to be a bunch of teams. Like, there's going to be teams that are just not going to show up to games. Like, they're not going to want to win, and that's particularly in the East. It's going to be like across the board. So, I think I love the over for this team. Like, I'm, I'm good. That's interesting because my, so my, I agree with you on all of the incentives. I, I, I completely agree with you there. I just think that the models overrate their talent a little bit because of I, I think that there isn't really a theory of this team that I think is going to be successful. So I, their their defense is going to be really shaky. You know, they're relying a lot on Mozgov and young guys. You know, Zeller and and Jared yeah, Allen and Trevor Booker probably. We've seen Mozgov be like a decent uh, center in this league, right? Not a great one, but a decent one. I mean, like he was. Yeah, and, and if he only has to play like twenty five minutes a game or so, like if they're asking him to play thirty, he's going to break down. I mean, he was terrible. Last, he was terrible last year, but he's been good or decent. Like if you go back yeah. like three years, he's been good or decent on like teams. So again, I like you know, it's like the best player on this team is what Booker, and Booker's a decent player. And you've got Russell. Well, who no, I, I, think, think, I think the best player on this team is Lynn, probably Lynn, Lynn, and if D'Angelo brings it, D'Angelo. 
but I don't think gonna, it's I don't think it's Booker. I think I, Booker's I, I gonna think, be marginalized. I think Booker, D'Angelo, and Lynn is an interesting kind of like this is a team that has guys that I could eventually see playing on a good team, right? I mean, or have played on a good team, right? Uh, they're not great, but they're not as I said, they're not terrible. I mean, even Zeller's been it's, it's a couple guys who were really bad last year, but I don't necessarily think they're like bad. And a formation. I think again, this team could be like you know we, because we said again in, in March and April, May. Hey, how did the Nets win thirty five games? Right? Because again, I think partly because they're going to play hard every night because they have no incentive not to. And they're you know they've got a couple of good guys. I mean, like if you get some growth from D'Angelo now that he's like this is his team, right? Then this could be interesting. I think I don't think there's any way they're going to be good, but I mean I think they're not they're not going to be terrible. And I think that that twenty six and a half line, as I said, I, I couldn't love it more. I think they're like five wins above that easy. I mean I don't I don't see them like. Again, they're going to compete. They're they're not they're not the terrible team they were last year. There's a couple guys there that are like kind of decent. That said, they also didn't have an incentive to tank last year, and they still lost but, a bunch I mean, of games. Yeah, but they were worse. Yeah, when somebody so, we we liked the over on them last year. It's just they got hit by the injury. Well, right? <laughs> like, yeah. Like, so, but and I think they they might run into that same issue again because they're my issue with the Nets beyond they they're a little bit more versatile because they have two guys who can actually run the offense, which is a huge step up from one right. last year who was hurt for most of the year. Is that there isn't enough offense offensively for them to be good offensively and I think their defense is going to be shaky so if they're let's say if they're bottom 10 in both even if they're not bottom five in either I think that's still just a bad team and so maybe they win 26 or so so I'm gonna say under and fade but again it's it's the idea that it's like I I I could I can see where you're going with it but I is I kind of think that the bottom will drop out just a little bit with this you know they're not gonna tank but I don't think they're gonna like rev their engines and be playing their guys 35 minutes a game in April because there's no real incentive there either. It's going to be interesting. It's like, we're, we're like, and I'm going to ask this question coming into like, and we're going to cover it. It's like, what's, who's the best team in New York, right? Because we're, we're coming up on the Knicks and like, I think that's Oof. an interesting question. Yeah. Um. Yeah. So let's let's do. Oh no. So you're over in play, right? I'm over in play. Yeah. I mean, I, I love the over for this team. Again, I think again, it's it's 27. I mean, 26 and a half. I mean, yeah. I mean, I think I could be I could be hitting that number before before we hit April, right? I mean, they might not win a bunch of games in April, but like I think we could I could hit that number in March. I think the Knicks <laughs> are fascinating. It's a a lot of it hinges on a question that we don't have an answer to right now, which is how long is Carmelo Anthony going to be on this team? Because well, I'm I'm convinced that like Phil wanted to cut him right, which was the right move to do. That was the right move. The Knicks were never going to do it, but it was the right. Well, move. no, it was, it wasn't the right move because then you're guaranteed that you're gonna that you're gonna pay him that second year. I I I don't know how he's feeling about that right now, but if you commit to that, then you're then you're locking in a whole bunch of money for next year that you might be able to get out of. Yeah, but you basically stretched him out and got out of it. I think right now, I mean, like he, you're not getting the problem is like, and and you know, as much as people like to the story, Carmelo is a toxic ac- asset. They're not getting anything back for him because people, oh, I agree with that. Because teams just assume that eventually, like the Knicks are going to go screw it, and they're going to get rid of him. And he's going to go out the door, so nobody's going to pay you anything for him. I mean, it does sound like there's there was supposedly a trade maybe to the Cavs at one point that was that was on the table. But I mean, I think more more than that, it's it's like any noise where you hear like, oh, Carmelo's good. That's that's his agent. Like they're, they're, he is under that contract. He's talked together. Now, if you can get him a ten million or eight million, 
to be the fourth guy, like or like a guy who's coming in as specialty scoring, he's he'd be great. He'd be great on Houston at the right price. But like if you're bringing him on that under that full contract, it's no, 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 no. Yeah, if there were an ability to use the amnesty waiver process for a guy in the current CBA, he would be somebody who would actually, you know, the Knicks would get a fair amount of money back because somebody else would just be like, yeah, we'll get him for eight to ten million instead of getting him for thirty or twenty six or whatever it is. Their line is set at thirty and a half. I think that they are more talented than that, but I think they're going to go under because yeah. they yeah. don't have point guards. And if you want to talk about teams that can drop like a stone in March and April, if they're not there, it would be easy for them, especially if Melo's gone by that point. Well, here's here's the other thing about this. Like, you know, there was, people forget, but at one point, like, you know, Porzingis was like, you know, uh, rumored to be out of there, right? Like, they he was like fighting with the front office. He wasn't happy. They were talking about moving into Phoenix. So, like, I don't even know what the hell you're going to have on this team by the end of the season. I mean, I don't love this number because I know here's the reason I don't love the number is like every team that like this is the Iverson mellow effect when they leave a team, the team gets gets better. And I'm going I'm going to get so much hate for that. But it's the truth. Right. So my, my, my worry is that they're going to trade him and they're going to be better when they trade him. Uh, and I think that 30 number is about right. Like, oh, I need to plug. Uh, so one of the models I'm using is for uh, from Jacoby e. Goldstein on Twitter. He he uh, basically shared it with us, and and so he has him at thirty seven and a half. I've got him at thirty two. Thing is thirty, so I I kind of like the over, but it's the Knicks, so I'm never playing the over. So it's 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 over and fade for me. I'm gonna play the under. We've disagreed more on this than I can ever remember us disagreeing. Because we're going to it's, we're going so early that it's kind of like yeah, I mean, that's true. Like think of, I mean. Uh, it's, uh, uh, no, I'll, I'll leave you to it. <laughs> well, and these are all, I think the lines were better set this year. I think that's another element. Yeah, I mean, of this, we're, we're getting, we're, we're getting them, as I said, we're getting them early, so we're not getting the spread of lines. I mean, I think if the number was like, if I could get a, if I could get the Knicks at like 31, then yeah, I mean, I, I would think about it, but like, or, I, or if I could get them at 29 and a half, but like a 30 and a half, I'm like, uh, I don't like it. Because again, I said that I don't know what the hell this team is going to have on the court by the end of the season. You know, you don't know their incentives. So, like, here's a better question: Who would you have? Do you like the Knicks or the Nets to finish the season with a better record? Uh, I think it'll be close. The Knicks. I think what what makes the tiebreaker for me is that the Knicks have such a greater incentive to lose at the end of the year. So I could see them being close at like in like late March, and then the Nets winning two or three more games and pulling past them. I could totally see that. Right. So basically, you're saying that you're thirty and a half. You're saying that the, the Nets can beat that thirty and a half number, which is why I was saying over. No, 30. no. I'm saying the Knicks are going to fall way short of it. So like I'm thinking. I'm thinking the Nets win like twenty six, and the Knicks win like twenty five. Yeah. Again, as I said, my problem is I. Think I think if they move Melo, you're going to see a better team, and they're just going to. They win don't have anybody much. to replace him though. Like I, I, I understand where you're coming it, from it with those guys. It'll be a, it'll be a better team, and it, it'll be like more of a Wessel. Like, it'll be like remember that that that, that Suns team where like he, he just got them to play better, and like they won more games than they should have. I yeah, that, that's what this team is nearly as good as that Suns team. But like, I, I just don't think I don't think their off. I think their offense without Melo in particular is just going to fall off a cliff because they don't have guys. I mean, they're pro- I don't know who they're going to start a point guard, but it might be Ron Baker. Ron Baker is not going to lead them to a successful offense, and Frank is talented i don't think he's going to be that guy right away and ramon sessions was terrible last year it might have been because of injury but he was terrible last year and if they're going to go to jared jack that's not an answer either so it's so mellow can mellow and porzingis you know you can build a competent offense at bare minimum with those two guys but when you start to 
ramp those guys down or and, and in Porzingis's case if let's say Melo's gone and they decide to to put him on the shelf for a little bit for let's call it tactical purposes they could lose just a ton of games late in the year so so here's the thing like I'm convinced that this number is going to rise like when we did last year we did like later <laughs> Like no, this yeah, number's that, you, I'd feel a lot better about it if it were one or two higher. Yeah, it's like I, I'm not. You're almost talking me into the into the over, but like I feel like 31 is like it's over in the 31, and like if this number was at like 34, 35, which it will be because, and again, people who are listening to this now, wait on the Knicks fans. The Knicks fans will bet this number up, right? And so when the Knicks fan get get this to like 34, 34 and a half. Then you could feel happy to slam the under. Keep in mind, I am I am passing on the Knicks at thirty and a half because thirty and a half is just no. But in a couple, like once the Knicks money comes in and goes to thirty four and a half, then I think Danny's under is the right play, right? But I just at thirty and a half, I think it's just a little too much for me. Right? Okay, so, so I'm, I'm going to underplay. You're going to overfade. Yeah, I'm going to put a note down saying like I would like I would like this number. Uh, Arturo would like this number at thirty four and a half. I mean, I think thirty-two and a half. You could talk me into it. Like the, under. I think it's historically appropriate that the next, that historically appropriate that the next team is the Pacers, considering the history between these two teams. Yeah, the Pacers are one of the hardest ones for me because I do think they have a competent starting five. Their their bench could be okay. It really does depend on who they play yeah, and when. Is, and I don't. But this is a different. I don't Pacers believe team. in it. This, this is not like the uh, the what's his name out uh, there, old coach. Uh, it's not where like they have that tough Vogel, defense. It's really yeah. hard. Yeah, th- th- this is kind of a a play fast team, which play fast like run a lot of offense, and like I don't know how that's going to work out when the team's kind of terrible. I mean, I, I don't think the they're necessarily going to play fast with with Nate McMillan on the reins. What's what's conflicting for me with the Pacers is that they're going to start this year at a better place than all of the terrible teams. And so you're kind of sitting there going, well, oh, if they win a bunch of those games, then that could boost up their number. But they're not good. So it's kind of like, so you're competing these two things. So for me, it's a fade no matter what. They own, their own, pick. They own, their, own, they own their own pick, though. They do own their own pick. But I could see, and this is another team where, and we'll talk about this more a little bit in the Western Conference, where the earlier trade deadline could really affect their number. Because I think they're still going to be quote-unquote in it for a playoff spot in early February when the when the yeah, deadline talking, is now that it got moved up. But you're talking about 35 They're wins. not going to be a... What's, what's the 8th yeah, seed? But they're not, what's the, what's the eight seed? Is the 8th seed in the East this year 32 wins? Uh, I think it's around 34-35, and I could see the... Maybe, maybe 38. I mean, the idea is basically that somebody will do well from the bottom teams, but... Yeah, let's say I'm gonna say 36 or 37. That's where I'm gonna put it for. I, I don't. I mean, I don't think. Uh, 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 I mean, like based on the on the on the statistical models, they all have it under. Again, this, this is another one of those where I wish it was like a, a it was a win higher. I like the under. God, I don't know if I'd play it. Um, <laughs> 31 and a half is is. Uh, who's their point guard? I, I really who the hell? Well, they're gonna they? either use Corey Joseph or Collison, so they actually have two competent Ooh. guys, but not great guys. Oh, Dan Collison's okay. Dan Collison's okay. Yeah, like like they're they're competent. So their starting five is probably gonna be one of those two guys, Victor Oladipo, either Bojan Bogdanovic or Glenn Robinson, depending on which way they want to go with their starters, Thad Young and Miles Turner. That's not bad. Like that, you know, there isn't a, a glaring deficiency like there is with the Knicks. And they have other options in case some of these guys aren't good, and inevitably. But the concern is, like, if it falls, and this is why it's a fade for me, if it falls apart, it's going to fall hard because then they'll, like, move Thaddeus Young, they'll do some of these other things, and then they're right in the mix with everyone else for a top eight pick or so. I think I'm under, and I'm 
Whoa. Ooh. Uh, I'm under in play, I think, on this team. Because I think it's... I think it's gonna like. What are their incentives to like? Not like basically. Why? Why? Why are they keeping this group together? Like, why are they not like trying to like get better Owner, people? Ownership, like- ownership, coach. I don't think anybody there. I think everybody there is. I mean, Pritchard's new to the job, but he's still. I don't think he has a long leash there, considering everything with with Bird and the the weird circumstances. And doesn't, I mean, so I think they're all kind of like pushing a little a free, bit. Don't they get a free pass this year though? I mean, they they got rid of the, they were losing Paul George, so they put the pushed the reset. I don't, I don't think they. They're I gonna, think if they got a free pass this year, they wouldn't have signed Collison. They wouldn't have signed Bogdanovich. Like if they were doing a free pass, they yeah, they could have like, easily had a different year. I mean, offseason. how much how much are you paying? How much are you paying Darren Collison? I mean, like, and you you can move Darren. They're paying Collison. him ten million a year. Paying him ten million, but then he he has a partial guarantee for next year. You can you can throw that contract into a trade like like that easy. And Darren Collins is a guy who can actually like be useful on a good team as as your second guard coming off the bench, right? So he could he could he th- th- that's a guy who can like you know put him on like the second unit on like I don't know you can put him on the second unit on the Spurs if you wanted to and he'd be great. They need a point guard, so I mean you can move him. You can move Thad Young. So I think that like if if the goal is to build around Miles Turner, right? So you're building around Miles Turner. That's your guy. Right now, then, yeah, I mean, I think everybody else is movable, and like, and you're kind of moving for assets in the long term, trying to get the trying to get the the best pick that you can. Which they, I don't think that they've never had a high pick in Indiana, right? I th- Paul George was, I think, eleven, ten. 11, I think it was ten actually, um, but that's not high, you know. That's not. That, I think that's about where yeah, they want to pick I, this year. I feel I, my feeling on this is is kind of it, this is a bit of a lost season for them, and I don't like they they don't have the pieces or the talent. To really be good and competitive, and I think that the top, like there are better teams. There are some better teams at the top. So I mean, I'm I'm kind of said underplay. I think you're underfade on this, right? I'm overfade, actually. Oh, oh God, I don't think we've agreed. We haven't agreed on a single pick so far. That'll change pretty soon. I, I, I think the line, I think because, I think what happens is I think the lines are set properly because yeah. We're not- we're not getting we're not getting a lot of variation for us to play with, so I think like I don't have we have we seen a line that's been bad or I mean I've been I was happy with the Nets. No, but, we'll we'll get to some, but but the, the, we haven't gotten to one yet. Uh, anything else on the Pacers? Or do you want to go on to the Magic? No, we don't. This like, is an we, interesting we one. We don't like the title division or anything on them, right? We haven't. Liked no, the- no, no, no. We're not we're not there yet. Before we move on to the Magic, I want to tell you a little bit about Bombfell. Bombfell is an easier way for men to get better clothes. And I've been impressed with the system over the last little while as I've gotten to use it because the way that it works is you can give them as much guidance or as little guidance as you want. That can be what kind of clothing you want. That can be price point. You can even do it for someone else if you prefer. And then you can tell them if you want about style, about what kind of fit you like, about all those sorts of things. And Or you can leave it open to them. I actually left my initial one open and then put in more information for the second go-round. And then they match you up one-to-one with a stylist, and they give you ideas. And so they send stuff. And, and the other great element of it is that you don't pay for anything that you don't want. So they you get an early stage before it gets sent with what basically what they're going to send you. Then you try it out. And if you like it, you keep it. And if you don't, you don't. And if you – something like I had a set of pants that I really liked, but they just didn't fit perfectly. So there's an exchange system for that as well. And so I'm actually going through the exchange process right now. Super simple. They actually – have the return mailing stuff with the initial shipment. So it's really, really convenient. And so you can just go through it. It's it's a fantastic program, whether you want to overhaul your wardrobe or you just want a few things or just some good ideas. I think it can be really useful for all of those types of 
needs or desires. And if you want to check it out, you go to bombfell.com slash real GM. That's B-O-M-B-F-E-L-L dot com slash real GM. That tells them that you came, came from us. And it gives you $25 off your first purchase, which is fantastic. Again, that's bombfell.com slash real GM. Bombfell, open and close. Okay, Orlando Magic at 32 So and a half. the Magic, we both, we both liked the over last year. We were believers in Frank Vogel. They ended up winning 29 games. They disappointed. They to me, to me, one of the biggest disappointments was that their defense was awful. Anyway. This year they've you know they changed around a little bit they got deeper but the over under set at either 32 and a half 33 and a half whichever way you want to play it and this is another team where I could see it working but I think the under is a I'm actually going to play the under here just because the incentives are there for them to be bad and they they weren't that good last year and they're young enough that I don't I'm not expecting the big leap this year I mean, I, I'm a really huge fan of Jonathan Isaacs, who's their rookie. And by the way, like, it's, it, the line on this, the magic are 32.5 is the low, 33.5 is the high. And that's four better than last year, which is 29. I mean, the, my problem with this roster is that it makes no sense, and it still makes no sense to me. Basically, I mean, I like the guys it brought in. I don't think it makes sense to have, like, Bismick and, like, Vucevic and Isaacs and they have Aaron, Aaron Gordon. Gordon. They, they have, t- like, they, they, they need to make a trade, and they've needed to make a trade for, like, two seasons to like get some better talent in the building but like or like a better mix or it's it, this is basically a fantasy team that basically every player on the roster for football is a wide receiver and they're they're decent wide receivers but like you don't have enough slots to play them you need running backs you need quarterbacks like where are the point guards like who's the point guard on this team Peyton it's going to be Peyton and then I mean I do like Shelvin Mack better as a backup than DJ Ooh. Augustine last year Ooh. who was abysmal no 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 I'm not a fan of Shelvin Mack but compared to DJ Augustine Augustine was awful last year I, I've seen I've seen I've seen Shelvin Mack like put up some crimes against humanities in some games it's like no no oh no, he no. certainly has. Yeah, I mean, yeah. again, the problem is like you've got like you've got like four decent bigs that you can get. I mean, they they also had like uh, they used to have five. They had Vodka too. Like I think they're. I mean, as I said, I love Isaacs. I wish they had a clear deck on this team. I think they're trade waiting to happen. Something should happen with this team. I like Vova, but I don't like the fit of talent. So yeah, I think I'm with you on the under, and I think they also have an incentive to like to tank. Yeah, this is a well. They don't have a protection or anything on their pick. I think that. The element that's in play for them, like for the Pacers, is just where they are around the trade deadline because they could be in a place where they're going to fight for it and all that kind of stuff. But I just don't think they're good enough. And I think that if they're fading it a little bit, we also have to see how they're going to go with the extension negotiations with Alfred Payton and with Aaron Gordon this summer. But my instinct with them is they underperform a little bit early. And that they just sit there and go, well, what, what's the point so they, of this? And then shouldn't they have to move Gordon and Beyond, like Gordon Biombo? Really? No, they don't have to. They don't have to do anything. I mean, they, 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 it's a new front office. They can figure out what they want to do. And I think they're going to take at least the first half of this year to evaluate. And then at that point, they're going to they're make decisions. But the problem is the Magic don't have many guys that are on really movable contracts. So like Vucevic, it's not a terrible deal, but I don't think anybody wants him at that price. And Biombo, it's a, it's a bad contract. And I don't see Orlando. Isn't Gordon up for contract renewal at this point? 
Yes, he he's he's up. on. So he'll he. This is his last year on a rookie scale contract. He's up for an extension right now, mm-hmm. and then if he doesn't get an extension, he'll be restricted next summer. Yeah, I think they kind of need to. I think they probably need to move him. Is my I mean like because right, the problem is like right now they're they're what? He, no, I guess he's going to start for them, right? Um, yeah, he's going to start at the four. But here's the thing: I actually think I mean I like I like Gordon, but I think I like Isaac better than Gordon. If I'm them, I'd, well, I'd, I'd, I think my, my the thing that intrigues me is the idea eventually, and I'm not saying right now because he's not ready, is to eventually play Isaac at, at center, and so you can play those guys together and just really run. Vogel's not the right coach for that system. That would be one way to do it, and then because Isaac can actually shoot, his jumper his jumper's nice, especially if he's playing the five. I wanted so, I, hell, I wanted I wanted Isaac at the three for 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 Boston. I was deeply disappointed they didn't. They, they, I mean. I, I, I'm okay with Tatum. We'll, we'll talk about that in a bit. But, like, I thought Isaacs was a better fit because, as you say, he can play probably the four and the five, and he's got some awesome skill set. He's raw, but, like, you know, he's tall also. He's really, really tall. He's a support player. Like, that, that's why he would have well, been good on the Celtics is that you, if you have other guys to do, like, the, the fancy stuff, then he can switch on defense. He can hit open shots. He can and, rebound. you know, he can run the four. That's a really he can valuable rebound, player. He can defend. Yeah, I mean, like... I, Again, I just looking at their situation. I mean, they kind of man, like because Biombo would be useful on a team that's like going into the playoffs, wouldn't he? I mean, like just like a rim protector. Like there's like three or four teams that would just love him. Vucevic is a little hard to sell, but he's only twelve and a half million. So like you know, if if New if you're New York, do you do Biombo and Vucevic for Carmelo if he says yes? Carmelo's not going to say yes, but that's too much bad money long term for the Knicks. I mean, they would probably be asking for Noah in the trade or something like that just to just to send some bad money back. I mean, Biombo, the big issue with him is you and I both like his talent. I mean, I think I remember us talking about his contract in a positive light last year, but he was terrible in the twenty sixteen seventeen um, yeah, season. Think, so if he's better, Biombo's under he can, that app. He, he's under that African like age question mark thing, which has got me actually got me into trouble with Serge Ibaka's agents this year, where like <laughs> I keep saying because in essence what happens is like for some of these players that like don't you don't necessarily have access because well, you have to, modeling for this right I have modeling that kind of shows that the age curve for a couple of these guys is more matching with players three or four years older and there's incentive for them to kind of pretend to be younger because their draft position goes up that and scuttlebutt that like for example like in, in B- Ibaka's case because his agent was taking the pot shots I think we're talking about this there was there was a lot of like scuttlebutt that basically I think teams thought he was older than he said so in essence that means that like he was a more risky contract which kind of explains why he moved around he's still a good player but like he's an older good player and like big men that have, have had like the foot and back issues he's had are going to be like a tough sell. same thing with Biombo. i think Biombo, if, if you think Biombo's a little older than he says then that 17 million is a bit of a tough pill although it's not that bad i mean like it's it's three years it depends on kind of what you're looking at, but it makes it hard. I mean, like, yeah, I mean, they they don't have a. I mean, as you're saying, like, Aaron Gordon's probably the most movable piece, but you'd have to pay Aaron Gordon, right? So it's like it, it's just like it just doesn't make any sense to me that you get Isaacs if you have Gordon and your coach is Bogle. So again, Orlando, a mess. So I think under is the play for Orlando. No. Yeah, I do too. So are you under fade or under play? God, this feels like slapping him in the face, but I'm under. Ooh, 32 and a half. I think that's going to be, they're going to need to lose. It's 30, it's actually 33 and a half for under. Yeah, I think I'm going under play. Yeah, so I'm am I. We play. agree. Yay. <laughs> this time. We, we had to go, wait, we had to go six teams in to get an agreement. This is like, yeah, this is kind of stunning. Good job, Vegas, of setting those lines, right? <laughs> this is a good job. And, and now we get one that I'm, I think we might agree on, but I'm not totally sure. The Detroit Pistons last year won 37 games. I think it was a pretty massively disappointing season for a lot of guys individually and for the team collectively. 
they did get better, I would think, overall. I mean, they added Avery Bradley, but they lost KCP. They lost Marcus Morris, but they added depth, which was kind of a killer for them. And I think one of the other big differences is that Reggie Jackson can't be worse than he was. There's some speculation that he was hurt part of last year. So the line was set at 38 and a half. So that's basically in line with what they did last year. And I think they're better than that. So I'm going to go over and I'm going to play it. Who's the best player on the Pistons? There's only one answer to this. It's Drummond. No. Well, Drummond or Avery Bradley. I mean, I would say. No, it's the man who's going to get unleashed this year, apparently. It's Boban. It is Boban. (laughs) Your boy. It, my boy Boban. So like, there's 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 noise. He's been he's been lining it up in the. Uh, it's the. Uh, he's Euro, been doing well in Eurobasket. He's been doing well in Eurobasket, and there's noise that like he was they they were playing him at the end of last season, and they're gonna play him this year. And it, see, here's the thing with Boban is he looks like us like he looks he's so tall he looks like a center, but he's not. He's more of a dark type player. He is a finesse four who's really really tall and almost impossible to block. So what you want to do with Boban, which is kind of what the Spurs did a little bit, which is like you, you put him out there and you have him shoot and the defense has to collapse around him because you can't do anything with him. The only thing you can try to do is try to blot him out so he doesn't get rebounds. So he creates mismatches and kind of like the Dirk thing where like he's shooting so high that basically you can't cover that shot. And if he's hitting, it's going in. So it's, it's all down to him. It's basically like he's shooting open in the gym all the time. So he's a really interesting piece. I think that if they embrace that, and kind of like, you know, because Drummond is good defensively and rebounding, but he's like very limited offensively. But Bovon gives you some gravity, right? Buzzword, gravity. He, he pulls some shooters and should switch the defenses. And I think this team is actually interesting. I, I do like the over on this team. And I'm willing to play the over. And, I, and I'm doing it because I kind of think that they're going to unleash Bovon. And it makes sense with the roster they have to play him more. Also, he is so fun to watch as a basketball player. He's so cool. Something else that's basic to note is that they have a win now coach. Like I mean, Stan yeah. Van is is a win now coach GM. If they're if they're on the margin, he's going to they're going to invest future resources because you never know how long he's going to be there. And so you know they're the team where this starts to tilt the other way. And absolutely, even though I'm playing the over, I could absolutely see them going under. You know, like if it falls apart, it falls apart, and they're going to be relying a lot on Tobias. They're going to be relying a lot on Avery Bradley. This could go in some different directions, but. I think they're better than this number, so I feel pretty comfortable going with the over. I mean, I think, I mean, again, as I said, I love, I love the potential. I think this, this is definitely a team that's going to be challenging for the, to me, they're going to be challenging for that eighth, that eighth playoff spot in the East. And, I, and as I said, I think they're not going to quit on the season, and they have good enough talent. I mean, like, you know, I mean, the, the, the obvious play for them would be to trade Drummond, no? That's the play. That's the one that's been out there. If somebody, I mean, the problem with that is it might take them longer to realize it than it will take everybody else because he wasn't good defensively last year. And originally, and there is some noise in that number last year just because who he played with and some some luck some luck related to three point shooting and everything like that. But he wasn't as impactful. Like the issue with Drummond has been for a long time that when somebody comes into the league as on fire as he was, especially as a rebounder, but also you you make these extrapolations about, oh, players who are this good, this young, they become this. And with him, he hasn't improved at that scale, and so it takes a while to adjust to whether that's true or not. Yeah, you know, like who the one of the, the top like Boban was like top five like top three in like per uh per forty eight contribution. It's it's, it's geez. They just need to play him more. Sorry, but, like, yeah, the same thing with... Like, again, the thing with Drummond has always been that his skill level... And I think this is the thing. This is why my my draft model, and I didn't like him coming out of the draft, is because he was so freaking raw. 
right? And he, he lacks skills. He lacks skills around the basket. And, I mean, do you think he's gotten better around the basket? Or is it me just like he's basically the same guy he was when he came in the league? Is that just me? Or I don't think it... he's gotten I don't think he's gotten much better. And he definitely hasn't expanded his repertoire in terms of, like, adding a 10-footer or a 12-footer and his free throw shooting is still scary as all get out so it's a big problem i mean is it, is, it, is it bad that i think that his best case scenario is being more like ben wallace than trying to be like a guy who does, like the or deandre jordan or like a guy who i don't think he can be nearly as good defensively as ben wallace was i mean, sure, I, I, but I mean like, maybe offense yeah i know what you mean i mean I, I think again i think i would go tall on this team and just have him and boban out there and like have boban but again boban you have to use like a four who is like stretching the floor right Kind of what Lamarcus tries to be, but like you know, I think he again. I said he's really good at shooting, and have him do that, and then run around that, and then have Drummond just be the guy who kind of comes in and cleans up and dunks the ball, right? Which I think is. See, kind I would. Of- I would actually taking that logic. I would at the, when Boban's in there, maybe punt a little bit more on defense and go a little bit more floor spacing and create lanes for guys like Reggie Jackson and Tobias Harris to go through. Play him at the five and just say we're going to be worse defensively for those. But imagine, guys. imagine if you had Boban together with like say like DeAndre and DeAndre would like or somebody like Burman, like somebody who's like an elite rebounder who's going to like basically just anything that he misses or like goes off the floor, then it's, he's going to like have these lanes to come in and dunk the freaking ball, right? Just grab the ball, dunk it, right? Because what's going to happen is the defense, is, like again, this is. Defense should collapse in that direction, and you're sitting there on the lane looking for the rebound and the putback. And I think that's the right play to do based on the skill set that you have. You have a guy who has some, like, skills at shooting, and you have a guy who's tall and can dunk, right? And, like, again, this is, I think, the best use for Drummond, which is rebounds and putbacks. I think that's where his value is on the basketball court, on the offensive end. I mean, I think that's my opinion of him, of what I've seen of him. Like, you know, he, he feasts when he can actually have those open lanes. Again, yeah, that that's a fair point. But we, uh, so so we're we we're both like, overplay. I think we're Are both. We over- yeah, we're both overplay on that. I, I put Boban with an asterisk. Um, <laughs> do we like anything else about this team? Like, no, right? I don't think we no no rookies, no MVP candidates, no no no. No, nobody. it's it's not it's not that type of team. And, and the division odds. I mean, there's an outside outside shot of it if Cleveland no, underperforms, no, but there no. are too many teams in front of them too. Because no. remember, Milwaukee's in the same. Yeah, I'm gonna be. I'm gonna be. I'm gonna be flip. Like where I always kind of hate the uh, the Cleveland number this year. I think like their depth. Hmm. We'll, we'll talk about it when we get there. Yeah, we'll talk. We'll talk about it when we get there. But so so we're. I think we're we're there with with Detroit, Philadelphia. So Ooh. the Sixers won 28 games last year. Disappointed a little bit because of Joel Embiid's injury. I mean, they were phenomenal when he played, and they were distinctly not phenomenal when he didn't play. But this is the first legitimately terrible line that is out there. I am a Sixers optimist. I said, you and I said like two or three yeah. years ago that we thought they could eventually be a playoff team. I said during the offseason that I thought they could be a playoff team this year. I would not have set the the over-under number at 40.5 or 41.5. So and for me, is, this is, this is yeah. one of the easiest ones of the entire board. Even though I like the Sixers and I trust the process, underplay it and don't even think about it. Under? Really? Oh, under by a county mile. So let's let, and let's, I love the Sixers. You know let, let let's talk this out. This team won twenty eight games last season, right? So they won twenty eight games last season, and they won the twenty eight games basically Joel Embiid playing yeah eight hundred minutes from Joel Embiid like basically you know no Ben Simmons basically you're you're taking that and you're adding you're adding Futz you're adding Simmons you're basically adding two number one picks you're adding JJ Redick to the equation. 
You're adding Sarek, who was got better as he's get on. I like which I like like they're this is a decent team. Uh, if sure, anything, it's it's a decent team. I mean, I think they're going to win. I think they're going to be competing for the eighth seed. But competing yeah. for the eighth seed and like uh, setting an over under line for me is an it's an EV equation. I, I think, and I think if you were to tell me that Joel Embiid was going to play seventy seventy five games, sure, I could see this. But there's no guarantee of that. If one of Foots Simmons, like so, if one of these things that let's okay, so you basically the first part of this is you're betting on how many games Joel Embiid is going to play. So I think if Joel Embiid plays and he gets 2,000 minutes, but this is a way over. If he plays 2,000 minutes, this is way over. This is easy, right? And if that happens and one of Simmons or Fultz is good, not great, good this season, then you're talking about 45-46 for this team, right? Granted, there's two if statements, but you don't have to go far to get to... I know why this line was 30 40 and a half, 40 and a half because I think this line is right at 40 and, 40 and a half. I think this is kind of, given how many terrible teams we just went through, I think this is over. I don't know if I'd play it though, because I, I was expecting this to be like thirty-eight when they first when when they, when they were first talking about it. And at that at this level, ugh, it's kind of it's kind of like harder. Question for well, you: So, so, you think, so here's you think, an. You think Fultz is going to be a good player this year? Eventually, yes. This year, no. I mean, what what you have with that. a lot of this stuff. So last year, I think it was with RPM, but you can use basically any of these big numbers that you want. There were only two players that were net positives last year that were rookies. And yeah, so but, I think that Fultz would, is going to be would, a good I would, player. I would consider the last draft. You could take the last draft and set it on fire. That was one of the most terrible drafts in the last 15 years. I mean, that's fairly true. But, I mean, at the who, same point. I, and I've said this. Who? Okay. So outside of Simmons, outside of Simmons, which player, does any player in last year's draft go in the top 10 this year? Outside of Simmons. Top 10. So, yeah, I, Jamal Murray would. I, I really like Jamal Murray. What did Jamal Murray go in the draft last year? He went six or seven. You think you think Jamal Murray's going over like like really over who? Like let's let's you said six oh, or seven. I think he goes over Markinen. Well, maybe not over Markinen, but I think he goes. I mean, remember like Frank Frank Nilkina went in the top ten this year. Jamal Murray was a better prospect than Frank ever was. Now, if you're going to say who goes top five, then you start nobody, to get into a very interesting yeah, question. No, nobody. I don't think anybody goes to. I, I think Simmons goes. Simmons goes top five. Absolutely. Simmons goes two or three. The, depending, yeah. I think he goes three. I think Simmons would go three to the Celtics, and I would be much much happier. Uh, See, I would rather. I think I thought Simmons was a better prospect than Lonzo Ball personally, just because Lonzo has these really weird flaws that scare me. I love I, I, Lonzo's ceiling is crazy high, but his my, my thing is on this is I watch so much film and like I like Lonzo sees things like and again. Oh people, oh yeah. Yeah, but Lonzo is on the court, and he is smarter than everybody on the court. He sees things. And part of the problem he had in college, like, he would see things and get pissed at people when they wouldn't see it. So it, this is kind of what Magic used to talk about when he was coaching. It's, it's, it's that kind of thing where, like, with NBA talent, he's, like, I don't see any way where he's not a, we'll talk a little more about Lonzo. But, yeah, I mean, I, again, the problem, as I said, that draft was terrible. Don't judge by that. On the under, you're saying, if you're saying the under on the Sixers, right? You're saying the under on the Sixers. You're saying Embiid's not playing more than 1,500 minutes. He's not. He's just not. You're not getting that. There's no improvement from like a guy like Zarek, right? And Simmons and Fultz are kind of bad. And also, I mean, keep in mind, they're playing a lot of bunch of terrible teams in the East, right? So I think 40 and a half is kind of, I mean, I think 40 and a half is there for them because like nobody's going to, like there's going to be people it's, where it's not there. Gonna... It's there for them. Like it's like, I think it's like a 40 or 45% outcome. But that's not enough to make me bet the over because they're 55% or so that's on the other side. 
You don't think this team wins half their games? No. I, and I, 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 if you were to tell me that Embiid was going to play 70-plus games, then yeah, I would. But I, I don't believe in that. I think they're going to be exceedingly cautious with him, not only in terms of back-to-backs, but in terms of if he has anything, they're going to keep him out an extra couple games because they might as well, and he's going to be a free agent. Let's let, let's not forget. Let me ask so, you more. You have all these ask, things running together. I, I think it's going to wind up. We're going to. I'm going to wind up over. You're going to wind up on there. We're gonna, both going to fade this, right? Or are you going to play it? No, I'm going to play the under. Absolutely. Ooh, ooh, you're brave. I would not play the under on this team. Because, I, because they again, I think this is the season where they start going for it. And keep in mind, this is different for an office. This is a, this is a Colangelo team. So this, is, the, the team, this team will try to max out what they have. And I'm going to fade. Again, I thought this was going to be like, like ugh, 40 and a half. I mean, keep in mind. Like, so this is a good example here. Denver and, and Portland last year won 40 and 41 games. Those teams, like, I mean, yeah, Denver had turnover with Jokic and Nurkic and all that sort of stuff. But they were, you know, those were legitimately good teams. Those were consistent. They didn't have the same concerns that we have here. Is this, is this I, I, team, you know, it's not a slam dunk. Is this team better than last year's Pacers? Well, I mean, they don't, they're, they're very different. I mean, I think that, I think that their ceiling is higher, but I think their floor is lower. Um, what do you think of the, uh, their, their, their division bet, which is 10 to one. So my concern there is that I feel you, like Boston. So you think there, it, let, let me ask a different way. Do you think there's a 10, is the, do you think 10 to one, do you think it's better than 10% that Joel Embiid plays 2,500 minutes this year? I think Boston's going to win at the bare minimum in the mid forties. And I think that's a little bit lofty for the Sixers. So I think 10% is not bad. Like if somebody's a Sixers optimist, that's not a, that's not a terrible bet to make, especially because the payout is a lot higher than if you bet the over here. So yeah. I would consider it. I, I would certainly consider it. But I think that the problem is that the Celtics don't have a low floor. So this isn't one of those yeah. circumstances which we see sometimes. To- and then also remember the Raptors. I, I think the Raptors have a much lower floor than they have in recent years. But they also are another one of those like steady regular season teams. So I don't think you're going to see both of them fall off and see the Sixers get up to like 48. I think that like I, if I was betting something on the Sixers, I would bet that division number, which is 10 to one, because you're you're there there. I think it is better than 10 to one that you're going to hit like so. If one of Simmons and Fultz is a not superstar, a star, right? This first season, which is possible, and Embiid plays 2,500 minutes, then I think this team could win something like. 47, 48 games, and there's there's things that can happen based, and we'll talk a little bit about the other teams in this division, where I think that could be enough to have the division be in play, right? I, I think, like, you bet 10 to 1 on that, and you can be very, very happy in March, and you basically can, like, figure out a position to get out of that because it's it, they can be there. I do agree that it's a, it's a lot of improvement, but again, they have better talent on this team the significantly better talent and deeper talent. They have, like I say, they have NBA level talent at like basically. So you've got Redding, you've got Reddick, you've got Covington, you've got McConnell's been good, you've got Amir, who's you know he you know he won't play that many minutes, but when he does, Amir has really good numbers when he plays. He can't stay on the court, but he has good numbers when he plays. But you know you've got Embiid if he's healthy. I mean, you know you you you're getting some pieces. Plus you're getting whatever you get back for to get when you, when you trade Okafor. You're gonna move Okafor at some point, right? 
I don't think they're going to get an immediate contributor for him. My instinct is that they get more of a dis- more of an, a future asset in that way, just because I don't think a team's going to trade that. But I, so I, I, so then the other thing we have to, we have to talk about with the Sixers is rookie the year odds because they have two different guys that are in serious consideration for this. And I mean, I could see strong opinions for it. the general assumption that I always use for rookie of the year is it's the guy who has the best counting stats. Yeah, and, it's and not, I, I don't think I think I think those are sucker bets. I don't think either Simmons or Futz are going to have the best counting stats of any rookie. I don't think that's going to happen. They're just not going to get enough time, and this is going to be more of an Embiid's team. Like, here's the thing: if either Simmons, I I, th- I don't think it's about touch. I don't think it's about playing time. I think it's about usage because I think there are a lot of different high usage guys on this team, and so that's just going to lead to some variance for them. Get, Whereas get, another guy like Lonzo or or Dennis yeah, Smith, they're going to have the we'll ball in their talk, hands all the time. We'll talk about Lonzo, but Lonzo is almost guaranteed to get an All Star bid. Almost guaranteed because he's the Lakers. So I mean, he, there's there's a thing well, about. Well, that's different than rookie here, though. So. Yeah, but I think he's like there's going to be enough. Again, I'm I don't think they're going to get enough counting stats, and I mean unless Fultz is like ephemeris, but I I have my doubts about Fultz being good immediately. I'm in the same place as you are. Whereas I think he has flaws in his games that he still needs to figure out. Well, and also with Simmons, like I think that scoring is not near what he does best, and. It's going to be hard for him. Like, that's a, an unusual rookie of the year case to make for a guy who's like, he's a good rebounder. He'll get assists and all that. Like, it's kind of a complete case. Yeah. And yeah, I think Simmons, if he had played last year, he could have won it going away. But this year, it's going to be a stronger group. I certainly think he can win it, but I wouldn't bet it at the numbers I'm seeing it at. I'm looking at the top five, and there's a number, there's a name I like in there as like the guy who's going to be the dark horse. So the, there's the favorite and the dark horse. And the dark horse does not play for. For the Sixers, we'll we'll get to him. Like he, yeah. there, there, there's one guy who's going to be the Mr. Highlight Reel, and who's going to like basically like he. I think th- that's the kid that's going to move some sneakers. But we'll talk about him in a bit. It'll be interesting if we're thinking of the same guy because I assume I think, we are. But I think we're thinking the same guy, and I think that's the yeah. guy you go like. But, but so so to clarify with the, so to clarify with the Sixers, I'm over. I'm sorry, under in play. You're over. Are you over and stay away? But the division odds are better. That's why you'd rather I'm play. I'm over and fade, and I would think strongly about that thing. I would think about that ten to one because I think it's interesting. Because I think maybe maybe what you do is you bet half the amount you were going to bet on the over, and just bet that on the division odds, so it's less of a risk, but it's still more of a payout. I think the ten to one is, should be fun, and I think the ten. As I said, I think the ten to one is is a number that you could be in a really good place to like like basically like leverage out later in the season. Like if they pay, like something happens, you can basically bet certain games for it. But as I said, I think the Knicks and the Nets are going to be bad enough that I think the Sixers are going to get a lot of freebies. There's there's a lot of freebies in the bottom of that East, right? And I think as I, as I said, if any one of these guys kind of like so, if Embiid plays two, if Embiid plays more than two thousand minutes, and either Fultz or Simmons is great, and they've already got Covington and JJ Redick and like Amir will give them something and there's there, there's there's talent. I mean this team I mean I think they can win half their games, right? And I think they could. They absolutely could. Like I'm not and, I'm not knocking their ceiling on that. I, I think they're one year away. I think it's going to take Fultz and Simmons one year to really figure out the NBA. MB doing as well as he did after a year off was the anomaly. And then think, they'll think, be on they'll be on pace to win. You know, I think it's very possible. Even so, I said they're going to go under. I'm comfortable in that that they win a playoff series in 2018-19. Yeah. Like that's where I think this I, team is going. I but I think, think that, this year is too early. I was going to say that I think that this team is going to be the team that you're not going to want to see. The first. Like if you're one seed and this is the team you're getting as, as the A seed on the other side, because I think this team will get better as the season goes on. So if they're healthy and they're getting better. 
I, I would not want to see this team in the first round of the playoffs across me because you're not going to get an ECL because they're young and they're going to get excited and they've got talent. So if it's the right matchup, you could be in for a really long series in the first round. I think that's where I'm, I am. I think they definitely make the playoffs, right? We both think they make the playoffs. I, I think they have a good shot at it. I, so the way I phrased it is I think they're the eighth best team in the Eastern Conference, but that doesn't guarantee anything because there are just so many other teams in the mix. So I would say they have a less than 50% chance of making it in, but they're the eighth best team. So, you know, maybe like in the 40 to 45% range, something like that. Yeah, we. this has been really interesting. We were... <laughs> I think it's because the lines are set really well, right? So yeah. if this number, so if this number was at thirty-eight, where would you be? Oof, I would. It would definitely be stay away. But I, oh, that's right around where I think it might be. Yeah, that's that's not, oh. that's not I'm thinking. Yeah, like, and if it was like at forty-three, I'd be I'd be under. Yeah, like forty. Yeah. Okay. So we, we, we talked about the Sixers. I mean, you and I could talk about the Sixers for an eon. But so let's move on to the Hornets, though. So the Hornets last year, to a point, they had a season from hell. Just a lot of disappointing things. Cody Zeller completely sabotaged their season because they had no backup centers because Roy Hibbert was garbage. So they won 36 games, got a little bit better, not a ton. I mean, Dwight should help. And their over/under set at 42 and a half. I really like the over here because I think they're yeah. just better than that number. I think we, we always like the over on the – I think we uh, – has there been a year where we haven't liked the over on the Hornets? Uh, yeah, I think no. like four years ago. I think the first year – we one of yeah. the early years, it was like we were shaky on it but still went on the over, but yeah, every but, other year we've been I mean, all over it. Here's the thing. Even if Dwight is only like – like if Dwight is, is healthy, he's, a, he's an upgrade over what they had that year and they're a better team. They won 20 – I mean – they won 36, and I think they're, you know, they're easily more than six wins. If, if Dwight plays a full season and is healthy, they're like in the 45, 46 range. Even if Dwight doesn't, you still, if Seller is healthy, that means it's a much better situation than they had last year. And you got Kemba, and you got like Batuu, and you got guys on this team. So yeah, no, definitely. I mean, I think, and they're real well coached. You know, I, I love the overall on this team. And I'm definitely, and, I'm not, and also, so two, two other big things to consider. One is, if Kemba doesn't stay healthy, this team falls off a cliff. Like, we have to acknowledge that. Like, there is a way that this team goes under, and that is Kemba. But also, I think Charlotte benefits more than many teams with how bad the bottom is right now <coughs> because their defense is so strong, and I think their offense is going to be competent, that I think they'll run a fair amount of the bad teams, and that will boost their number a little bit. And then they'll, you know, they'll be feisty against I mean, the, the, middle, the middle of the pack and all that kind of stuff. Think about their top six. Kemba, Batoon... Howard, Seller, Kid Gilchrist, and Marvin Williams. That's solid. And then you got Jeremy. Yeah, and Lamb. I mean, if Kami- this this could be the year that Kaminsky is a little bit better. Like he's been in the league a couple of years. If he can give them a solid eighteen to twenty two minutes a game, then that's a big depth piece. Malik Monk is intriguing if he can ever get healthy. Still a shot with Jeremy Lamb, their backup point guard. I would. I would MCW's pref- not great, but I would prefer Lamont Sessions was, was awful. As you said, I would prefer it wasn't MCW. I think if if I'm them, if I'm if I'm Jordan, you already got him the center. Like, go look for a backup point guard that's better than that. I mean, I think that like that would be the thing. If I'm like like start looking for a guy who can, you can bring. But as I said, I mean, like I think like what's going to happen is like if something did happen, there are guys out there. We talked about Darren Carlson. There are guys out there on like bad teams that could come in and like run the team if you needed to. If nothing happens to Kemba, and Kemba's going to be healthy, he's been healthy, then I think definitely this is a definite over. What do you think about the division odds? Oof. So division odds is at five, five to one. Yeah. That's about right, right? 
Yeah, that's not bad because Miami is inconsistent. Like, you know, so basically if Charlotte wins, let's say 45 games or something in that range, how will that affect the teams around them? So Miami could win more than that. I'm not sure that they will. And Washington, I think they're better than that. Like I think their expected, their expected season is there. But remember on five to one odds, you don't need everything to go right and everything to go wrong. Like you just it 20% of the time. So I think that's okay. I like the over better than the division odds, but they're not bad. Yeah. Are we, are we, are we both overplay on, on Charlotte? Yes. At least I am. I, I think we're overplay. Are we? And I think again, I would think about the five to one. Do, do we play the five to one or think about the five to one? I think about it. I don't play it at this point. But if it got up to like seven or eight, I would think about it a little harder. I would say Arturo, Arturo plays five to one. I, I would I would play the five to one. I think that's a good that's a good division odd. Uh, and then you like you you would think about it. Danny would think about it at seven to. One. Do you like any of the other odds for them? No, I don't think they're going to be good enough to win the conference or the title or anything like that. I don't I don't like those odds. It's eighty to one to the conference. That is an interesting bet. That is a very interesting bet. I don't, I don't, I mean, just, I don't think their offense is going to be good enough for them to, to run through everyone that's in front of them. That, basically, that 80 to 1 is like, do you think there's an 80 to 1? You, you get like a, a throwback season from Dwight, right? And like the Cleveland situation falls apart, which I think that, that's a more interesting. Although they, they I mean, like, uh, I think Cleveland's a more interesting team now. Um, no, I, no, I don't like that. I don't like that, that 80 to 1. Not quite there. Like I think, like here's the thing. Like Charlotte might be a team where I monitor their conference odds and their like I monitor their conference odds during the season because I think if they get into like say a hundred to one, like it's it's there's situations where that could be interesting depending on what we see on the court for them, right? Right now, I don't like it. I, I just don't see it with them. I, I, I don't see that that point. The the ceiling isn't there for me for them to, to really win that because they'd have to you know they'd have to beat at least two teams that are better than they are. But could you let's, would, let's, would, let's, you pick, would you pick would you pick the Hornets or the Bucks in a playoff series? Right now, I'd probably pick the Bucks, but the but the, I could absolutely see that if the Hornets play as well as they could, I could see that being different at the end of the year. But you know, Milwaukee, we have to see where they are, and assuming that they get Jabari back by that point, I think they'll be better at the end of the year than they are at the beginning. Okay, so we so got- I think Charlotte's going to have to run it up early, and then and that doesn't affect you in a playoff series because you play all those games in April. So we got the Heat coming up, the Miami Heat, forty three and a half. Yeah. The- the Heat are a challenge because, like, so I think that there are some. So the way I said this when Nate and I did over unders was, I bet some people are thinking of this as a no brainer over just because of how well they ended the year. I do not think that at all. I'm leaning over, but this is an over fade for me because I can see them being worse than this because you know winning 43 games is still kind of a lot for a team that isn't amazing. That's good, and their defense will be will be strong again. But I, I don't love this team. What do you think of Justice Winslow, who at one point, like, the, the Heat fans would not have traded for Melo? What do you think of Winslow? I'm not a believer necessarily in him, but what I like about Miami is that they have a lot of other options. You know, if if, they, if Justice isn't working out, they can try Josh Richardson, they could try James Johnson, they can try Waiters and play Tyler Johnson. They can do a bunch of different things. Like, And I think Spolstra is a good enough coach to figure this out. Like, I think they're a team that's going to take a lot of work to get right, but... Unlike some of these other ones, like, let's say, Indiana. Like, if you gave Nate McMillan this roster, it'd be like, oh, they're going to be a disaster. But Spo, I think he can get it. I, I, I'm i on the same place with you. I'm over, and I am a fade because I don't trust it because, like, this team has some players that are not good, right? In a vacuum, but, I mean, like, you know, when when your your third best guy is, is, is what, 
Karate? Dion Waiters? Is it James Johnson? Is it Dion Waiters? Who is it? I don't know who it is. It's like, it's it's a song, it's Whiteside and Drogic and Tyler Johnson? Dion Waiters? James Johnson? I mean, and, I mean, I think it's going to, I think the third best thing on their team, but it might even be their first or second is their system. And just the idea that they'll, that they'll figure out how to maximize it. And another big challenge that they're going to have to deal with, which very few teams do, is what happened last year was they got hit by a bunch of injuries, including to Justice Winslow. And they had guys that needed to step up and they really did. And it looks like they're probably going to start the year healthier close to it. So that means there isn't really enough food for, for all their mouths to feed. So how are they going to handle that? You know, like if I, I don't know, I don't even know who's going to lose out. Like, is it going to be James Johnson? Is it going to be Dion Waiters? You know, where are they going to go with this? How are those players going to handle it? And how long is that going to go? I, I think they'll be okay. But that is a downside risk that I think we have to discuss and acknowledge. Is Dwayne Wade on the heat uh, in February? No, he's going to go somewhere else. Yeah, I mean, it's he'll, go talk- to, he'll go to a, a, a title contender like Cleveland or something like that. Right. It's been talked about like, but yeah, I don't think that happens Again. maybe he goes there in a year or two but i don't think he finishes this season there i mean if he gets bought out he's going to go somewhere that he can compete for a championship again that's not miami this is as i said this is a weird team and it's a weird matchup team as again i like the over and they're they're there are situations where this is a good team, but I wor- I keep worrying about the fact that, like, you know, I'm looking at this roster and going, like, ah, in a playoff series, what would I do? Like, who am I picking this team in a playoff series against? And I'm not, I'm, I don't know that I, like, last year I probably would have picked them against Cleveland. I still stand by that because of the particular matchup on size and rebounding. But, like, I mean, I don't know that I trust the Waiters to continue to be good, right? That's, this, this is, it might have been, like, last year might have been his best year. Ever and I don't know. Justice Winslow has not been good, so I don't know what you're gonna get from him this year. So it's it's a bit of a mess. I mean, I think they're a good team, but to ask the question, who do you think has a better record, them or the Hornets at the end of the year? I would lean towards the Hornets, but I don't feel strongly about it. You know, I, I, it's probably close to fifty fifty for me. Yeah, I don't like the I don't like so I like the Hornets at five to one to win that division. I don't like the Heat at three to five, two and a half to one to yeah. win. I well, like also, it. I think it's hard for me to see Miami winning, like, 50 games. You know, I think that's going to be really hard for them. They could, you know, and their their defense was special for stretches of last year. And, you know, Drogic, if he plays like he did at certain moments in this, it certainly if, could if, be if. competitive. But if, 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 if exactly. And, and, so, yeah, yeah I don't, I don't love it. And, and <coughs> also, yeah. the, difference, the, the difference from 5 to 3.5 is significant here, too. Yeah, and you have a bunch of guys on this team that get hurt, right? So it's... it's mm-hmm. It's white side gets hurt, like Drogic has gotten well, hurt. And, and they don't have a lot of high ceiling guys. You know, they have players that are good. They have a lot of players that I like. But when you see a team make the kind of jump that they would need to to win a division, you're basically saying somebody's going to make a big a big leap individually, like yeah, Giannis Whiteside. did. We're going to talk about the Bucks soon enough. I don't think they have that guy. I think Whiteside is a guy who would be overqualified to be the third best guy on the championship team. But as the guy on a team, ew, that kind of limits your upside because he's not... Like his game is limited, so you're kind of relying on Drogic a little more. And I, as much as I like Whiteside, and I think they had to pay him, I don't know that. Like, could you see Whiteside being the the, the second best guy on the championship team? No. Yeah, I'm I'm, I'm the same place. Like, I, I think they're they're you know they got two guys who are like really overqualified to be third bananas in Drogic and Whiteside, but bleh, I don't know that they're you know that they have. You're saying they don't have that high ceiling, right? They're they're not. They're yeah. Not, 
Whiteside might be. I mean, Whiteside can be the second guy in the, play, the second best guy in a playoff series, or like the best guy in a playoff series. I think in a particular right matchup. Yeah, for for a, for a small sample, like a couple games, sure, right, certainly, right, because he can bring it. But like, it, he's a little more inconsistent. So yeah, I mean, I, I, I agree. Like, I like the Hornets ceiling better than I like this team. I don't like either one to like like the conference odds are, are a bit too rich right now for me for both these teams. Yeah, right. Let's move on to the Milwaukee Bucks. Fascinating team. Won 42 last year. Giannis took a gigantic leap, is now, you know, an all-NBA guy, could potentially be an MVP candidate down the road. Vegas set their line at 47.5, and I just think this is way too high. I just think it's way too high a number. Is this team better or worse than they were last season? Well, so I think that the big swap that they're going to do, assuming he stays healthy, is that they they had Jabari for you know basically Jabari and and Chris Middleton were trains passing in the night, and I think Chris Middleton is a better player right now than Jabari Parker was last year. I like Jabari, but I just think that Middleton's better, and also I think that he fits their team better because now they might actually play Giannis at the four sometimes, which I think is his best position defensively, and that can space the four a little bit. So. I think that in those sorts of ways, they're better, but they're not a ton better unless their young guys take a big step. Like if Thon Maker takes a big step or Malcolm Brogdon, which I don't really see him as a big step kind of guy, or even Tony Snell. So I think they're better, but I don't think they're much better. You know who this team reminds me of a little bit? Reminds me of that 2007 Cavs team a little bit, where like you have the Ferrari parked there. Giannis is clearly, he might, he's the best player on the team. He might be be close to being the best player in the conference. But who's the second best player on this team? Brogdon? Is Brogdon the second best player on this team? I think it's Middleton, probably. Because remember, he was hurt towards the end of last year. He wasn't all the way back, and I think that he can he can be that guy. But your point is well-founded, which is the idea that they... Yeah, and they don't have any other guys that can really like take over until maybe until Jabari gets back. Like, he, he can do that for stretches. They have a lot of good like functional pieces, but they don't have those guys, and those players are incredibly important in the regular season because when everybody else has a flat night, you can do that. So I think they're depending too much on Giannis. And I mean, they absolutely can get this number. Like I'm not saying this is a zero yeah. percent one, I, I but think, I'm playing the under because I think it's a low probability. Play. I think what's, what what Vegas is kind of counting on that like this is kind of a terrible East and terrible bottom. There's going to be a bunch of teams that are tanking. Uh, Giannis might be the best player in the conference, and even though this isn't a great team, as I said, the, that 0607 uh, Cavs team won 50 games, right? And again, it was a it was a terrible conference, and the, the the West was really better. So I mean. I think that that number is probably about right for a team that's going to be trying and is going to have the best player on the floor probably like 98% of the nights games that they play. So uh, I think it's high. So, I mean, I would be... God, 47 and a half is a high, such a high number. Is adding middle to... Well, so... Uh, is adding middle so to here's something I'll say. I'm guessing you would rather play the division odds than the over-under. Probably. I would... I think I'm again. The thing is, it's forty. It's forty-seven and a half. So I think they're going to win something like. I think that they're about four games, maybe five games better than they were last year, based on the talent. Although they moved around, I think Brockton's good and Giannis. So like, I think forty-six would be my number if I was picking out of thin air, right? So I would probably go under, and I would fade it. Is what I would go. Where I would go with this team? I'll go under and play it. I think they're. They could go past this, but I don't expect it. I think it's like sixty forty or something in yeah, that range. Yeah, and, and that eight—it's eight to one to win the division, right? So eight to one. What are you betting on? You're betting on basically LeBron demanding a trade, 
That's what you're betting on. Well, no, I don't even think it's that. I think if if Cle- Cleveland could win 48, 49 games, and you're betting on Milwaukee following that LeBron lead and winning 50. I, I think 50 games could win this division. Could. I, I, I don't think it will, but it could. I, 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 I'm going to agree with you. I like... I think eight to one is fair. I like eight to one. I think eight to one is fair. Now, actually, here's here's an interesting question. What do you think about their twenty two to one odds to win the conference? Oh, yeah, I think that's a little bit too rich, betting, but it's not too far off. You're betting on Giannis Giannis Antetokounmpo being the best player in basketball next year, basically, in like any playoff series, or not even the best player in basketball, the best player in the Eastern Conference. Yeah, I mean, because look at the the other teams they're facing. I mean, Boston, Toronto, all that. Like, really, they the the team they have to get past pretty clearly is Cleveland. And and has so, like, and I've watched a lot of those games and uh, those. What the, the the secret on those games in Milwaukee Cleveland is that Giannis is the best player on the court, and it, it pisses LeBron off to no end. And it, it, like I've watched those games, and Giannis is the best player, right? So it's 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 a really interesting dichotomy, which is I think Giannis wouldn't see it better. Well, like yeah, I mean when he when he has to like maybe guard Kevin Durant in the finals or Kawhi. So I mean I think that I like eight to one. I think I kind of like twenty two to one a little bit. Because I think that like they're they, they I mean like they should have beaten Toronto I thought in the, the it was a weird but I mean if this team is healthy oh no, yeah they should have I like the eight to one to win the division and I'm tempted by twenty two to one to win the conference for them right because I think that there's definitely a better than twenty two to one chance that like Giannis is just the best player in the playoffs and if you have the best player on the court then your odds of winning a bad, like a not great conference are, are pretty good here's what I'll say I, so I think the I said under and play it and I would. If you are an optimist on this Bucks team, I think both the conference bet and the division bet are better are better uses of your money because of the higher payouts well, than the overrun. I also think they can win forty seven games and win the conference. Like they can win like they can win forty seven games and win the conference. Sure, because I mean we we already saw we've because, seen teams not without the best record in the East win the with win the conference the last two years. Like be, it, it has or two of the last three. I think. Because I mean, like what I'm saying is like I think there's a world or like I think there's a better than eight to one chance that this team wins fifty games and and, and it's it's there in the conference. And I think the reason is because again, Giannis is could be the best player. I think with Brockton develops a little more than you know you if you've got those two or your best guys and Middleton's back and their depth is not great but when you get into playoff series it's the top six that matter and who's the top six for this team let's well I mean so it's it's Giannis Giannis, Brogdon Thon Middleton probably Tony Snell and Jabari Middleton Monroe uh I am Monroe's probably in that too yeah Brogdon Delhi no we're not counting Delhi I mean no no I mean, I think I think this team is interesting. I would kind of, I think the best bets for this team are the eight to one division and maybe let's talk a little bit MVP. What? Well, so the other the other thing that I want to mention with them is the series in the Eastern Conference that I want to see most is actually Celtics Bucks. Yes, because that just the strengths and weaknesses of those teams, the idea of the Bucks being on the ascendancy, like if that's the it could be the two that's, three. It could be the one four. That's your that's I, that's your that's possibly your 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 conference matchup for the next four or five years, right? That that might certainly be, could be. That, and that and so I, I think more. that unless the Sixers get into it and a couple other teams, but, but, but yeah, that's the one I want. I, I, I mean, I Cleveland, Cleveland round, Milwaukee would be great. Giannis. Well, so here's the other thing. The other one, the reason that you would want Cleveland, Cleveland, Milwaukee is that if this is LeBron's last year in the Eastern Conference for a little while, you want Giannis LeBron before that happens, before he leaves. You're going to, so, you, you, I would say you're going to, I mean, I kind of think that you're going to get Bucks Wiz in the first round. I think that's fate. 
I think that's the one you're going to say. I, I think it's possible. It, it's certainly possible. As, as the, You're thinking of that as the 4-5? Yeah, I think either that or, or the Raptors. I think, uh, I mean, again, I, hmm. So, actually, before we get on to that, like, Giannis 11-1 to for MVP. What do you think? Oof, 11-1. to I, I, So, I like that, but I don't think it's the best use of money that I have. Wow, but it's isn't he just gonna have all the counting stats though? And if like if he... but, but he's not he's not a great shoot. Like I don't think of him as really a volume scorer. It's more like the Ben Simmons MV board Ben Simmons Rookie of the Year case. So I think that it's like if you're a Giannis optimist, you could I I would never blame you for for putting some money on that. But I would look towards the guys more like Harden, and I'll, I'll save my number one MVP pick for later. But have, like hundred- the guys who are going to put up a lot of points too. Like I, I think Giannis will do really well, and there's a chance even that he's like the best or second best player in the league. But I don't think he's going to be sexy enough to win MVP. Would you rather spend uh, if you have a hundred bucks? Would you rather would you rather have a ticket with that says a hundred to one? Like sorry, uh, eleven to one on Giannis for MVP or twenty two to one for the Bucks to win the conference? Ooh. Oh, tough, right? I think I'd go. I think I'd go with Giannis just because I can see that case a little bit more clearly. And yeah. for the Bucks to beat the Cavs, it's like they need a lot of things to go right. And because I mean, if if the Cavs hadn't made the Isaiah trade, I think I would have probably gone. I might have gone the other way. But now they're a little bit deeper, and that depth is specifically useful against the Bucks having Jay Crowder to defend Giannis more. Yeah, I think that like and that twenty-two to I'm gonna put like. 11 to 1 for Giannis MVP is intriguing. The 22 to 1 for the division is also interesting. For conference is also interesting. I would say that, like, what if what if the conference thoughts were at 30 to 1? I'd probably go that way then. 30 to 1, that's a pretty solid payout. But that, then then it's a pretty close call. It's still a close call. But yeah. I mean, I think we both like the 8 to 1. We both like 8 to 1. We both think the other two are interesting, but the numbers are. I, I, li- I don't like 8 to 1 like I would bet it, but I'm intrigued by it. And if you were higher on the bucks than I am, then you could. I would say that's a better use of your money than the over under. What, what, again, what, are the, what odds would you put on them winning 50 games? 50. I'd say that's like maybe 25, 30%, something like that. 52? Then we're talking more in fifteen to twenty range. That's a lot of wins. Yeah, like, that's like what Cleveland. In essence, yeah, you're kind of assuming things go a little a little south in Cleveland, which I totally could see because I think LeBron's gone, right? But we'll, we'll talk. Well, about they, could, they could also go south in Cleveland just because Cleveland doesn't care about their regular season record. Like they're not going to be competing with the Warriors for the best record in the NBA, so they're going <laughs> to be going at it. They're going to have they're going to be going at that as the road seed, and then in the East, I don't think they care. You know, they could be this, they could do what Houston did and they could be like the six and they could, I think they would still think they're the favorites to win the East. Yeah. I think we'll, we'll talk a little bit. You know, the, the, their title odds are basically going off on average about like uh, 1.5% for the Bucks, which I think is high. That's high. That feels high to me. That's, That's high. Yeah. I mean, they would need so much to go right. And I mean, the Western Conference, I mean, like, yeah, think, so, think about how how good would they have to be to, to beat the Warriors in a semifinal? As I said, it, it would probably involve the meteor strike. Or the Rockets. It, I mean, it, the Rockets are a really good team. It would involve the meteor strike at, like, like someplace where the Western All-Stars are having a practice, I think. because Yeah, I think 1.5 is too strong for that. As, as much as I think they do have a high ceiling, 1.5 is, yeah, I would I go know. more in the 1 or even half a percent range. Yeah, yeah. Because Miami having a 1% title odds, those are way too high, too. Yeah, no, it's... Yeah, but but well, I think we're I think we're we kind of know where we are um, with the Bucks. But before we move on, I want to take a quick moment to tell you about FanDuel. I have been a fantasy football player and 
basketball and baseball to varying degrees for a long time now. And this is the first year that I've moved completely away from year-long fantasy and moved into more daily. And I've really enjoyed it through the first two weeks of the NFL season through FanDuel. And they have a variety of competitions for basically different levels of experience, especially for people like me who are new to it, which I've really enjoyed. And so I think I'm going to make the jump from free competitions to low money competitions. I'm still conservative with my money at this point and still learning the ropes, but probably going to make that jump. And what's really nice about that is that they have more like beginners groups. And so it's how many competitions you've been in before. And I, I love the flexibility of it. So you can choose different time frames for the games that you want. So if you're going to be only around for a certain point and you want to have something to root for, you can certainly do that. Or if you want to do more of the whole weekend of games, you can absolutely go in that direction too. And the idea that you're not wedded to your players for the entire season. I mean, you see these year-long injuries or multiple weeks with a guy that you know is really good, and instead of it being something that just drags down your season and you're playing the waiver wire, you make new decisions each time. And I've really enjoyed that part of it. And the idea that, you know, you don't have to worry if the guy that you like most was drafted number one overall and this the randomizer gave you the 12th pick. If you want that guy, you think it's going to be a great week for them, they can be on your team. It's just that you have to balance out the quote-unquote salaries differently because that's how they do it. They assign each guy a value and then you have a total sum that you can do and that amount changes by your league. So I have really enjoyed it. It's been a lot of fun. If you want to try it out for yourself, you can go to fanduel.com. Then you click the join now button and then there's a promo code for real GM, which is the way that you not only tell them that it came from us, but it gives you an entry into a free contest and you can play for a share of $10,000, which is pretty awesome. So again, that is fanduel.com and then the join now button and then the promo code real GM void where prohibited. Do you ready to move on to the wizards? Yes, I am. I'm ready to move on to the wizards. So the Wizards are tough because their line is set at, at 47.5 or 48.5. They won 49 last year, but, but, but their top guys were really, really healthy last year. And so that's a big concern. Do you think this team is better next year than this year than it was last year? So if we're talking purely from a talent perspective, I think they're better, but I don't think they're going to be as healthy as they were. Last year, Wall, Beal, Porter, Morris, and Gortat all played 76 or more games. I just don't think that's going to happen again. Do you think who do you think has a better record, them or the Bucks? I think the Wizards will, but not by but, but not by that much. I think they the, the Wizards to me just have a higher floor because of Wall and Beal, like those guys, and 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 I mean their team system, and I think the Wizards are more stable, and stability is a good thing. I mean, don't we think they're going to be helped by the fact that the rest of the East is kind of terrible? Oh, certainly, both these teams will be. But I think Washington. I think Washington. They'll their game to game variance is less, and I think that so they'll win more of those. They won't have as many surprising losses as Milwaukee will. Yeah, I'm kind of like so the schedule. Like so, as I said, like the better teams are going to win more games. I think slightly this year because of the schedule. Um, they're going to be a bunch of terrible teams at the bottom of the East, particularly it's like so. Who the rest of like? Well, I mean, even though the division is rough because like they they play in the Southeast and the Southeast is Orlando's not great, but they've got like Charlotte, and Miami. And them, so it's not well. And Atlanta was going to be terrible. So for, I feel like the over on forty-seven and a half is. I agree with you on the health point. I don't want any part of this bet to say. Yeah, it's un, it's under. It's pretty clearly underfade for um, me. Yeah, I'm thinking because I'm I, I'm really like in my brain I'm like yeah forty-seven, and it's underfade. But like I could totally like I could totally because I, I if teams start tanking I could totally just see them just picking up like easy wins across the board. Right? Do we like their division odds? You, so you they're at about even. 
one to one, pretty a, much. A little lower than one to one. They're they're that they, you get a little you, let, you get less money back if you bet them to win the division. Uh, I think it's okay, but I I think that if you're at that point, there there are better bets on the board. You know, that's the way I'd put it. It's not terrible. Fourteen to one to win the conference. What do you think? Oof, that's interesting. That's yeah, interesting. that's more that's more interesting because when you so when you're getting into the Wizards, and this is kind of the same idea with the Bucks, is that. Yeah, the wizard- they, there aren't as many hurdles, you know, is there... I mean, I think that the top of the East is going to, you know, the, all those teams, like we talked about, maybe they'll play Milwaukee in the first round. So I would probably... So I wouldn't the wizards, touch that. The wizards, the wizards have the top guys. They don't have the flaws, structural flaws that Toronto has in a playoff series or the Celtics used to have, which is like you, you, can't, you can't body the hell out of their lead guard and not get killed. Because, like, if you try that with Walt, it won't work that well. And then you've also got Beal to kind of pick up the slack on shooting on the other side, and they've got other guys that can actually put the ball in the hole. So, uh, like, they've actually been... I've actually thought that they they could have possibly made a finals before, like, you know, the year that Wall got hurt, and, like, they, they've been kind of there. So I think that, like, 14-1 to 1 on the Wizards making it isn't... I mean... I think it's a lot more likely than that fourteen to one number. I mean, what do you think? I don't think it's a lot more likely, but I think that's a reasonable number. So if you're a little higher on the Wizards than I am, because I just think Cleveland's still better than there. Now, wouldn't if that, Cleveland like, falls off for whatever reason, who's covering Wall in that series? Like they still, they still don't have a, they still don't have a guy to defend elite small shooting small forwards. Like they don't have that guy. Otto Porter is overrated as a defender. If you and if you, guess what? If as I say, if you have a series with. The Wizards and the Cavs, who's covering John Wall? Yeah, I mean, that's going to be a big problem. It's probably going to be... It might, even be, J- it might be IT, but but basically what you're saying is that John Wall is not so good as a scorer that he will beat you that way. If you hold on everyone else, you know, it's kind of one of those series. So we're sort of like what teams used to do a little bit with LeBron back in the day. So it comes down, it comes down, it, he's not, it comes down to Jay Crowder and Otto Porter, basically, if that's a series. Well, I, I think it comes down to Otto Porter on LeBron. I, if, I think LeBron would just run through the Wizards like tissue paper, and that's a big problem. And there is a, and, and LeBron, the big difference between LeBron and John Wall is that LeBron as a scorer can generate fouls, he can get guys out of the game, he can get to the free throw line, and John Wall, like, he'll get to that mid-range shot and he'll shoot it, and some nights it'll go in and some nights it won't. So I, I think that there is a way that the Wizards could win that series, but I wouldn't expect it. But here's the, this is the point, I, broader point I was making with them, is that they don't have the right guy to defend elite small forwards offensively. Yes. Boston, Cleveland, and Milwaukee all have elite offensive small forwards at this point. I mean, Gordon Hayward, I'm not the biggest fan of in the world, but they don't have a guy to defend any of those players. And they're going to face probably two of those three if they want to make the NBA Finals. Yeah, I kind of agree with that. I'm kind of like, as I said, I'm looking at them like, uh, I think that the teams around them got slightly better and they're the same and I agree with you they had a lot of luck with health last year and I'm kind of with you on the under and I don't as much as I as I, I mean I might I might yeah, but but there's no there's no reason to bet it because there's just there are other things on the board that, yeah, are, would, that are more reasonable I would anybody who's thinking about that 14 to 1 bet it's like just wait because I could see myself betting on the Wizards making the finals come playoff time and I think you might get better odds then so right now I, I don't I agree I like I wouldn't I wouldn't touch it I, I think, think it's a little I think it's a little rosy and you see that when generally speaking I think those track pretty well that that if their over under is a little strong that their that their conference odds are a little strong and so I think that if you if you wager that down but let's move on to the Raptors do we, Raptors do we, do we think John Wall has a chance at the MVP I 
was looking at that because the the number right now for him is at it's like about 28 or 25 to 1. I don't think that he's going to put up the overall stat line like you think about think about that Chris Paul never won an MVP and then think about the guys that are in front of him that are going to put up counting stats and that we both don't think the Wizards are going to be like the best or the second best team in the Eastern Conference. So, I don't think he has a great case. Yeah, no, I agree with that. It's possible. I mean, at that, you know, you could throw like five, ten bucks on it if you really liked it, that sort of thing. But yeah. I don't think it's a, it's one of the best bets at all. Yeah, we don't, we don't like any of the bets on the board for the Wizards. I don't think. Yeah. No. Okay, let's move on. No, and that, and that's fine. Toronto Raptors. Raptors won fifty-one games last year. The line is set at forty-eight and a half. The biggest thing that they lost was actually a bunch of their depth because Patrick Patterson went to the Thunder. They lost Corey Joseph to the Pacers. And they didn't really replace them in a way that you'd expect. They got C.J. Miles, and they're going to rely a lot on their young guys. So I think there's a very real chance that, that, that basically, you know, Lowry missed a bunch of time last year, that they do go over. But again, this seems a little bit rosy to me. So I'm going to go under, but stay away. So Lowry's the best player, and then, the, like, here's the thing. This is a team that's flawed, but it's more flawed in the playoffs. It's not flawed in the season. Right. Because yeah, and, and DeRozan, in that way, is sometimes underrated by the, by kind of, the hive mind that is like the ner- the kind of like nerdy basketball Twitter, if you want to call it that, because he is intensely overrated by casuals and certain people in the playoffs. But as a regular season player, he's still very valuable. And he was a big part of their, you know, they won 51 games last year, despite I think Lowry missed 22. Do you really? So do you really, he was a big part of that. You realize I am the captain of the hive that's anti the Rosen, right? You, you, you understand that, Danny, right? Yeah, yeah, I well, do. Uh, so here's the thing. The problem with like, so... DeRozan, while a skilled basketball player, there is the fact that I believe he's played eight seasons in Toronto, and of the of those eight seasons, only once has Toronto been better with him on the floor. And this is like delta on off splits. And the reason being is like the style that he plays is a style that isn't fit to the modern NBA. It's more fit to like the NBA in the '80s or the '70s because he takes shots that are not valuable. The defenses can slough off him. He like the guys around him that shoot better. That there's problems. And these problems are aggravated once you get in the playoffs because in the playoffs, like, you can play a more physical style of defense, you can take the other players out, and then basically just let him do whatever he wants, and it doesn't work because his game doesn't really work in the playoffs. But he's okay. I think part of the problem is is he's been trained to play the game in a way that doesn't work in the modern style. He's like the anti-Harden. Where Harden basically, or Manu, just like... Manu or, or Harden just take shots that are high value and high efficiency and just help you across the board. DeMar doesn't do that. DeMar does the stuff that you used to teach to play the game like 20 or 30 years ago. And again, with the change in the zone defense, the way the threes work, his game just kind of hurts you a little more than it helps. Again, this doesn't mean he's not a skilled basketball player. I just think his style doesn't quite work. It works better in the in the regular season. He's also awful defensively, which yeah. is worth mentioning too. Yeah, so he's inefficient and awful defensively. It doesn't, doesn't create space or doesn't have enough gravity to do that. And smart defenses can just go, hey, knock yourself out and shoot, right? And so like he, they can negate him particularly when you can play a physical style of defense. But like that said, that said, you're I think we're both on the over on slightly on this team. I, I think this team is No, I'm 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 underfade actually. You're underfade. Just because I I'm underfade, I think it's a close play, but just I think they need to stay really healthy because they're top heavy now more in a way more than they were before. So that their depth is going to become more of an issue. I'm overfade, but I love the division odds. Their division odds are ridiculous. I mean, so basically, it's like six. Love. It's six point five. Is it the best? Like, bet? Is it's it, a one. Is it the best bet we've seen on the board so far? 
I think it's the best. It's up there. It's, it's the really, really what, up there because that we've seen so far. What is better than six to five on like on the Raptors to win that division so far that we've seen? I don't think we've seen anything. Yeah, I mean, because that's true. Like, even though I'm optimistic on like the Pistons over and maybe the the like, and the Bucks and all that. Yeah, I think you could make you could certainly make a reasonable case because I mean Boston could be very good, but they might not necessarily we will, be. We, and we, we will talk about Boston, like Boston homer. We will. We and will then, but here's the other thing to remember. That's the only team in front of them unless the Sixers blow apart expectations, blow through expectations. It's like the Sixers, because I think we both agree, whether you're on the over or the under here, that Toronto can win 45 to 52 four games pretty like there's a clear path you're not going to argue it too hard if they're somewhere in that range I, the, the so odds, really the, way, the odds on that where's are, boston gonna end up the odds on that are so so good that i'm actually checking to make sure this is not one of those situations where we miss right up no i'm seeing them at, at six and six and a half is what i'm seeing toronto win division i would literally like i would i would get on a plane to bet this in vegas i think this is a because like the Raptors, that's a really good number. Like if the, I was thinking, like if you had told me this in the abstract to put that at about three, like that's where I would put it. So you're getting even, I would, more I would, than double the I would, payout. I would to win the division. I would have put that at two. Really? I mean, three? I would put it at two. I mean, like we'll I mean, we'll talk about Boston's flaws, but I mean, I think this team, like who else is winning this division? And like Toronto isn't. It's, it's, it, it's Toronto was hurt yeah, last I mean, year. They won 51 games and they were hurt. This is a better team than they were last year. They'll get a full year of Ivaca, who you know might be older than he says. But, but yeah, that bet is way better. Yeah, I would throw I would throw some money on that. That's a really really good. I mean, six and a half. Like the, <laughs> the payout on that is appalling. Yeah, it's like yeah, that's 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 easily so far. And it, I mean, I we'll we'll talk a little bit further as we go along. But I don't know that I've seen another bet on the board that's as good. I mean, I don't think we like anything else. And there are no, there are no MVP, there are no MVP odds that I would like for them. So, and and, and, you could, uh, and, and I don't like their conference odds. I do not think you, they're going to win the Eastern you Conference. Could, you could, you couldn't pay me to bet them to win the conference. You could not pay yeah. me money because here's the thing. As I said, mentioned before, the problem with this team is in a playoff series, all you have to do is body the hell out of Kyle Lowry. And they have nothing else. If you if you physically well, and and put somebody who's bigger and stronger than DeRozan on him, and almost every single team in the Eastern Conference has somebody to defend Demar Derozan. Well, no, at this point. You can basically you can basically know what you do. No, what you do is you you lock down. You basically physically attack Lowry, and you let DeRozan basically do whatever he wants and just cut off his angle. No, you can you can shut DeRozan down. No, like Paul George it. did it. Just you shut down the zone and basically like Middleton did collapse, nice collapse collapse on all the shooters. Let him take mid rates. Like knock yourself out. You can do that too. All the mid range, and like if Either that way. happens, like the Celtics are killing them, the the, the Bucks are killing them, the the Heat, Cavs, the, the Wizards, the, the Cavs might kill. Like if it's the Heat, the Heat might kill them too. This is true because Poe is smart enough to actually do that, right? Here's here's another interesting play. If Toronto exceeded expectations a little bit, I could see them losing a one eight series. Yeah, absolutely. If they if it's Toronto and Philadelphia, I would be really interested in, in that. Like if it's Toronto and Philadelphia, even Toronto, if it's Charlotte. I could see them losing to Charlotte. Yeah, well, I mean, I don't think I don't think Charlotte's the eight seed. I think or Miami. Be, I could see them losing to Miami. It could like it would be the Pistons, the Sixers, or the Heat, probably. Right? Maybe Charlotte could be. I mean, yeah. you never know. Yeah, I mean, I, I would, I would, yeah. If Toronto's the one seed, I would really think about it, depending on the matchup. Like who's who's guarding them and what's happening and like how good is the coach defensively? To so be really, I think they're going to be more like the the three six or the four or five, and I'll bet hard against them and I'll probably be happy. But again, we think that six and a half to one for them to win the division is insulting. And that's a wonderful that's a wonderful line. Like that's I I hadn't seen that before we recorded, and that's really good. that's insulting. Yes, I mean I think that's just yeah. public that's just public money on the Celtics, which isn't smart. Public money isn't smart money. 
Just and, and like the the sharps have not gotten to this because the sharps would bet this down to three. Big money. Yeah, so if you if you can see this. I might even try to figure out a way to put something on it. Okay, move on to the Cleveland Cavaliers. Cavs, the team has won the Eastern Conference the last three years, won 51 last year, then won the Eastern Conference. The over-under is set at 53.5. They are a talented team. I do think that adding Jay Crowder, but two things are big here. One, Isaiah Thomas potentially missing time, them being patient with him, all that, and them just not caring about winning a bunch of games in the regular season. I, I feel pretty confident in this under. Like, this is an underplay for me, even though I think Cleveland's going to win the East. Let me ask a question. How many times have the Cavaliers, uh, with LeBron part 2, won over 53 games? You mean, you mean in their current run with LeBron or, or yeah. ever? The current run with LeBron. Uh, I think once. Once. So, so it's like... it's. If, didn't they win 54 once? Yes. Yeah. So basically, they have not. So, like, let's, let's go season by season here. So LeBron came back in... 14-15, they won, they won 53. It was 14-15. 14-15, 15, 15, 16, 16, 17. So they won 53 games. The next season mm-hmm. after that, they won 57. The next season after that, which is last season, they won 51, I believe. 51. Yeah, they won 51 last season. So they've only won it yeah. once. And last year, they were playing hard as hell. Like, hard. They were going hard trying to win this. All the models have it as under. They have them at 50. So a couple things to consider for this Cleveland team is, so they traded out for uh, Isaiah because Kyrie wasn't staying. Kyrie was leaving. And LeBron's getting up there. Um, Their depth is kind of questionable. And, I I mean, it's a little better with Jay. I think Jay actually kind of helps them. If they have Jay, I'd be like, I'd be laughing at this under. I'd be like under and like I'd be laughing. It's insulting. My worry with them would be that they trade love for pieces and that improves their depth but then it like takes out like their their ceiling and then i don't know how many games lebron's gonna play i mean i'm kind of like laying out like think about like so this is year four right of this run and just the comparison i believe year four for the celtics they won like 47 or 48 of the big three so i think that this is definitely this is an like i think we won this bet last year we, we went under and we won this bet and I believe this is under and play. I mean, this is... you. Got, yeah, same here. Because, I mean, again, 53 and a half. I mean, I wish it was like... I, w- I wish I had an extra point. But I think 53, 53 and a half, like, given who, these, who this team is, given what the depth is, you have to think about it. Like, as I said, like, like, so opening game of the season, they're playing the Celtics. Who's guarding Kyrie? I mean, probably Isaiah, and they'll, they'll just deal oh. with it being bad. Really? And then, like, Isaiah and Derrick Rose? Or... Calderon or like who's guarding who's who's covering guards on this team? Yeah, it, I mean Jr. and because remember Shumpert was bad most of last year, so it's not like they have a lot of other options there. They have forward depth and they have yeah, lots of things they can do know, there. Think about it, like so. One of the things like for for like people who are listening about the stats. So here's one thing that happens with like these stats that happen out there. So context on these stats happens as follows: when you have somebody who's a really high usage offensive player who's terrible defensively, the guy playing next to him regularly. His numbers are generally going to be deflated because what happens on defense is they switch. So the guy, the man on the Shumpert's basically Shumpert's getting the, the the hardest matchup on the floor every time that he's on the floor with Kyrie. And I, actually, here's the thing: that's not going to get better with like Isaiah Thomas. No, that's going to get worse. So like again, like here's your de- here's your depth of the, the, the guard guard guards. It's Isaiah Thomas, Shumpert, Calderon. Derek Rose, general sort of. Jr. Well, I mean, yeah, and then like, I mean, my thing on this team is like, I think my, somebody might lay a forty, a fifty burger on them. 
Like some guard's gonna lay a fifty burger at some point. I don't know how how much games. LeBron, oh, absolutely. I don't know how many. Like so, LeBron might play. Does he play twenty four hundred minutes? He shouldn't play the level of minutes he's been playing recently, right? And I think no. And he's been playing way too many minutes a game. That's I, been the big issue and, for him. So the other issue with this team is like. All this cuttable that I hear it is like the relationship between LeBron and Dan Gilbert is broken. And LeBron's come out publicly and said some things that like lead me to believe he he's, he's he is not resigning with the Gilbert Cavaliers, right? Like go look at what he said, like and look look at the relationships like Gilbert has, and this is kind of broken. So I think this is the end. I I think LeBron is not going to do anything to put his next contract at risk. So I think he plays a lot less minutes. I think Love might be gone in terms of like uh they might move him because they don't want his long-term asset. How many how many Cavs on, currently on the roster should be buying houses and not renting houses in Cleveland? None. I think Jay Crowder. I think because uh, I if they if LeBron leaves, then Jay Crowder becomes a trade asset. No, but Jay Crowder is so cheap; they got to keep somebody. I mean, I think I think Crowder... no, I don't. I don't think they do. I think they trade. I think Jay Crowder is still value more valuable to somebody else who's competitive, and he's cheap enough that you could actually get something. Tristan? No. You... Yeah, he's probably the closest. Like I think I think Tristan Tristan is probably the guy that I would be most open to saying you could you could buy, but I still wouldn't tell him to. You uh, so here's a question for you. Do you think that who won the Celtics and Cavaliers trade in your mind? I have a theory. Oh, the Cavs won it by a mile. I disagree with that, and here's why. Because functionally the Celtics traded they so the Celtics traded like half a season of Isaiah. And they, they weren't resigning Isaiah. So there was no way they were going to resign him. There was no way they were going to pay him. And they're trading a guy who's under six feet tall, who's like 31. Quite, I don't know how good he's going to be going for coming off for like a significant injury. So that's the first thing. Like Jay Crowder was definitely an asset. And then Zizek was the other guy that threw in that trade. So yeah, they're trading a guy who's a serviceable starter in a really good contract for a guy who's Kaya, who's never had a great coach. He's never had a really good coach in his career. He's, he's had terrible coaches who's young, who's likely going to be an all-star for the next, you know, seven to eight years on them. So I think they traded kind of things that they didn't need or didn't have for, like, a really young star that they're going to get for, like, a really long time. And I think, and again, we know Kyrie can play defense when he's engaged, and I think he, as I said, he's never had as good of a coach as he's going to have in Brad Stevens. So I'm kind of saying that they traded for an all-star guard for kind of assets. The best asset they traded was Jay Crowder, right? Because again, I don't think one. I don't think the Celtics were not resigning Isaiah Thomas, and the Cavs. I, I I would almost. I bet. I would bet all the money that the Cavs are just not resigning Isaiah Thomas. You think the Cavs are resigning Isaiah Thomas? No, I don't think they are. So so here's the way that I would phrase the trade. So and the, Bro- and the Brooklyn and the Brooklyn pick, which is gonna. I think the Brooklyn pick is gonna wind up being like a six or seven. Well, and I think that's part of the difference between the two of us is that I think Brooklyn's gonna be a little bit worse. Let's put the odds that LeBron leaves at seventy five percent. I think you and I would both have it a little higher than that. No, but let's put, put it would, at seventy. I would, let's put it. I put it at ninety eight percent. But keep going. But but so let's let's just say it's at seventy five percent. So Kyrie is under contract for uh, the following year, and then he's going to be an unrestricted free agent. It sounds like he was going to leave, basically, kind of no matter what happened. Mm-hmm. He also wouldn't have provided much value for them, other than in a trade, theoretically, for that second year. And then you're trading him as an expiring contract. So you have that as the element. So I think what you're saying is basically that Isaiah Thomas was less valuable than other people think. And so it's a, I think the Brooklyn pick is there. And also with Jay Crowder, A, I think he helps them a lot this year because he's, you know, Cleveland, it's still going to be a hard press for them to beat the Warriors or whoever else. But at least 
Jay Crowder makes that low chance higher, and I think he makes that low chance higher by a meaningful degree because he's he can guard a lot of those players. He doesn't hurt you offensively, all that sort of stuff. Here's the, let, let's look at these teams' track record. What are the Celtics and like the Cavs getting with a five pick, for example? Like you're gonna give me another Jason Crowder, or like you're gonna give me another Jason Tatum, or another like. And who are the, who, who are the like? Look at the Cavs' record with like the one pick, right? So like, I don't think he is his team is like a stellar. Uh, draft record, right? So I don't think that. Well, like, I, I don't think the Cavs did too badly. I mean, they got Kyrie. Kyrie. Kyrie was, I think, from what I can remember off the top of my head, he was the best player in that area that he was, was taken. He, he you know? was the best player, and like, yeah, but like, look at like uh, Bennett. Bennett was a huge disaster, but was he was a huge disaster in draft class, full of huge disasters. And then they took Andrew Wiggins. They used that trade for Kevin Love. I don't think they win that championship if Kevin Love is not on the team. That's fine. So I, I'm so they, largely I, I, so I you know two for three is pretty good. Yeah, and so like and like look at the Celtics with like Jalen Brown, Jason Tatum, and like some of the other guys they've dropped. That I'm not a, like as I said, I think the asset that that which is the Nets. But they but but that's one weird. But saying they're going to screw up the pick, they could have traded it for somebody else. They could have done a lot of other things with it. Yeah, but that, and I understand I understand the trade from the Celtics perspective. I'm not saying it was. It's a disaster or anything like that. But I think it's more, you know, if, if I were giving grades on this trade, which I never actually did, I would have given Cleveland a higher grade than I would have given Boston because I think there are more ways that this works out. Also, I'm not completely sold on Kyrie being a franchise yeah, changer, well, the thing about the, you know, being the guy. The thing about that trade, and we'll talk about it when we get to the Celtics, is this is a trade that's more about the next five years than it is about this year for the Celtics. And it also is about addressing their flaws in the playoffs because basically Kyrie is taller Isaiah Thomas and this is a good thing because whereas Isaiah Thomas's game again same thing that happens to Kyle which is basically you can you can physically take Isaiah Thomas out of a playoff game once the whistles go in the the the, uh, the officials' pockets we know you really can't do that with Kyrie he's a taller player and he he can he can basically he can't get taken out physically there's other ways to do that. But I think with the coaching that he's going to get, as I said, I really do believe he's going to see the best coaching he's seen in his entire career. And I think that's going to make a difference. And I think, they again, they traded for a guy who's... They went from a guy who had severe flaws and limited your upside in the playoffs to a guy who doesn't. Now, is Kyrie the guy? No. I think him and Hayward are... We'll talk a little bit more about the Celtics. But him and Hayward are, to me, twos, Right. So they're 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 stars. They're not that elite elite level, but they mean you have when you have two stars and then a guy like Horford who's also like at that level. Those that that puts you there, and they just kind of have to hit with one of all these. They still have a bunch of picks, right? So they just have to hit on one of these guys. So maybe Tatum, maybe so like one of these guys has to hit and be that person to get to the. So it's kind of like what happened with the Warriors. Warriors were great, but really they hit on Green. So hitting on Green is what really drove the Warriors to the next level. And it wasn't even the high pick. You have to hit. You have to kind of get some luck. It's the same thing with Spurs. The Spurs are still around because they hit on Kawhi, right? And and that you you kind of have to hit on that guy. And I think like having the right talent, and they do, and just trying to look for that other guy is the key. I think again, getting back to Cleveland, I, I think my problem with Cleveland is that I mean their depth is better because they added Crowder, and Crowder makes them a lot more flexible. I'm assuming they're going to get uh, Wade. At some point, and I kind of like Derrick Rose as a second piece. I just, I mean, the problem with them is like now they they don't have anybody who can guard a point guard, right? Which is a problem in the regular season, but isn't a big problem in the playoffs. We've seen that because all they do in the playoffs is so the, the Cavs were terrible defensively in the regular season last year, terrible. 
But once the playoffs rolled around and they could put, like, they're going to have LeBron bump the hell out of the, the guy who's handling the ball or, like, somebody else bump the hell out of them, then they became a lot better defensively because of the change in rules. And I think the same kind of rules apply. To beat this team defensively, you need a scoring wing, which, and look at the Indiana series and look at what Paul George did and look at what, what like, Kevin Durant did to them in the finals. And I think their teams around them kind of got better in that direction. Hayward. Uh, so I think they have a rougher road. This isn't a regular season team by any chance. So I think, again, we'll come back to the, we like the under, right? Oh, yeah, this is an underplay for me. What about the MVP odds? Yeah, that was something I was going to ask you about. So LeBron is, he's five or six to one. They're not going to win enough. The big games. issue, they're not going to win enough games. And I think LeBron's going to take more time off. And so I don't think he cares about it at this point. So, you know, maybe he wins it on the, the logic, I think, might be that this is a weaker year. Just you, that nobody has a superlative like Russell Westbrook triple double, Steph Curry incandescent year, and so he just kind of is the best of a weak crop. But I don't see that happening. Would you rather have LeBron at six to one to win the MVP this year, or LeBron at six to one to win the MVP next year? Blind. This is blind. I would probably say next year because the novelty if he's on a new team could be something like if let's say next year he goes to the Lakers. Yeah, get excited and, Laker fans. And, and the Lakers go from winning like 30 games to winning 55 games. Yeah, he's, I could absolutely yeah. see him winning. Yeah. Oh yeah. I think that's that that's the key there. I don't think they're going to win they're not going to win enough games. He's not going to care enough. So, uh I mean, I think it's under its play for both of us. Do you like their I don't like their division odds. Do you like their conference odds? Like you get slightly less than dollar back. I don't. That's about right, but it's I, I again. It's kind of like the, some of those Wizards ones where there are just better things on the board. Like I, th- I think you can make some money with that. I do think they're the pretty meaningful favorites to win. The, I think they are going to win the conference. But I mean, mm. you're just sitting there going, "Well, is that is that the best ROI you have?" And I don't think it's the best ROI you have. You so like, I would consider it. I think like that's definitely odds? the best bet. You, what do you like their title odds? Six to one. No. No, no. I'm the same way. It's like I think. Yeah, I think here's the thing. I think six to one is right, but they already got that one, right? So I, yeah, yeah. I don't, that's, that's a good way of putting it. They're, they're, they're not. It's not happening again. It's like yeah, no. And, and I couldn't see them beating. So how far in the West would I have to go to be better than six to one? Like they're not beating. They're not beating uh, the Warriors. They're not beating the Spurs. They're not beating the Rockets. Who before? Who do we have? Like who does Vegas has a fourth? Vegas has the thought. I don't. I would not have him over the thunder, would you? Not, not with, not with George. I would, I would, I would, because because I think it's going to take the thunder one more. It would take them one more year to figure it out. I also don't think they're going to be together yeah. that one more year. As I said, the problem with like the the, the, the Cavs defense fall, falls apart when like the when the team has a threat on the wing, that defense can't handle it. It's like so if you've got Westbrook and George, like the Cavs defense is going to like have like nightmares. They can't cover it. Well, I mean, they'd they have, have Jay Crowder now. I think they'll figure it out. Ooh, would you have him over the like? Because remember, because the, remember, they're going to play Andre Robertson, and that gives LeBron the ability to freelance like he likes to. That this is crazy. The, the, the I would love that series. That like that would be an incredible. I mean, probably Bucks. Bucks is the closest we're going to get to it. But a theoretical like even a top sixteen format, a Cavs Thunder series would be just so much fun. You know that Vegas has Minnesota fifth in the West. Good lord. Yeah, we'll, we'll talk about that later. We'll talk about that. So I think, but, but so yeah, so with Cleveland, I would say if you're going to make a bet, if you are an optimist on them, 
your conference bet is the, by far the best. I would even consider putting a little bit on that just because no, I think they're better than everybody else. The best bet on the board is the under for the for the Cavaliers. Oh yeah, yeah. No, I'm saying if you're an optimist, the bet the right. best bet is is the conference odds. But no, yeah, under under play, absolutely. Under play. Yeah, I think fifty three is rich. fifty three and a half is very very rich for what this team is. Right. I don't think this team is yeah. better than it was last year, particularly since I, I don't think I don't think Isaiah Thomas is going to play until like what would you put that like January February? What do you think? Uh, I, I was thinking more around Christmas. It's coming back from a hip. Uh, eh, I mean, I based on the medical reports I read, it's 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 kind of an interesting. You you probably know this better than I do. Not only given your Celtics proclivity, but just because I haven't, I was gone when the when a lot of the trade hullabaloo was happening. So yeah, basically, like everybody knew he didn't have surgery, and it's a bit of a weird injury. And again, the problem with him is like so he relies so much on quickness. Then that injury really worked. Like I know why the Celtics made that trade based on the uh, the health report. I wish they hadn't given up Jake Crowder. I would have like much rather given up Jalen Brown. I don't like Jalen Brown. We'll get to well, that. and and let's get there now. The, the now let's talk about the Celtics. So the Celtics won fifty three games last year, and Vegas set their over under at either fifty four and a half or fifty five and a half. And I want to start this with a basic question for you, which is. Are the Celtics better? The Celtics are better over the next five years. I don't believe they're better this year. And what I mean by that is they're younger, right? So they're younger. They're going to miss Jay on the wing on defense. They're going to miss Avery Bradley on the wing on defense. So they had they, they lost to really extremely good defenders. Now, the caveat to that is they also lost to Taylor Thomas, who was one of the worst defenders in the league. And they got taller. Like, Kyrie isn't great, but he's better but a lot of this on this team relies on kind of younger players so i kind of think that they're going to lose a little bit of a step i mean i respect stevens i think stevens does a good job of like getting talent out players but i think i mean if i was picking a number out of the air i'd say they're going to win 51 games right i think they're going to be about the same as they were last year because they lost some things but they gained some things but i do think that this team is better built now for the playoffs because they don't have the flaws that they have and they're better positioned now for the next four or five years because this is a younger team that's going to get better Kyrie's young that over under number to comes to me comes down to like so what am I getting out of Jason Tatum well I think Jason Tatum by all rights should probably be the starter on this team and like starting where I think Jason Tatum should be starting at the four come February or March for this team, really. So, so here, actually, let's do it. This is an easier way to visualize it. What would be your starting five for the Celtics? My starting five for the Celtics would be Terry Rozier, Kyrie Irving, uh, Gordon Hayward, Jason Tatum, and Al Horford. That's where wow. I think so you'd start Rozier? I would rather play. I've always rather. I've always been on the school that I would rather play Kyrie at the two than at the one. I mean, I can play him at the one, but I would rather have him at the two because he's such a great spot up shooter and such a great three point shooter that I'd rather have him kind of like. Putting pressure well, see, I think you side. do that, but you have Gordon Hayward handle the ball more. I don't think you need another guy on top of that. It's kind of a hat on hat. Well, but I, here's the thing. Uh, Terry Rozier was like, and, and, I, and I gave so much hate on Twitter for like Terry Rozier. But Terry Rozier was actually really good in the second half of last season. And he was really good in the playoffs. And I think part of the reason, the other one of the other reasons they made that trade and they moved the talent is like, I think they kind of think that he might be good enough to be either the starting point guard or kind of the sixth man coming off the bench. He's a little small, but he can do it. As I said, I would rather have Kyrie not necessarily be the number one. I, I would rather have him be the two than come in at the one and kind of be the switch guy because I want Kyrie taking spot-up shots. So I'd rather have him in the offensively in the role that like Avery Bradley would take when he was hot for this team. So when the Celtics were really good, you'd have guys like Bradley or Crowder kind of hitting all the threes and kind of spotting up, and Kyrie's really good at that, right? So if I've got him here on the wing and attacking, 
then I think that's kind of a really good use of the skill. Plus, I, I, it gets me more plus players on the board. I've got Hayward who can handle the ball, and I need. I also need another rebounder on the court, which is, I, I thought, you can tell I thought a lot about this. Tatum might be the best rebounder or the mo- best potential rebounder I have, and I don't trust Morris to be my starter come playoff time. I would imagine that long-term Tatum is more likely to be my starting four than like anything else. And again, you notice that, and no. I, I think long. I think long term, you're right. But I, how I would start the season, and you know, obviously, you're going to change this based on circumstances. Kyrie on smart. Based on, I would start Kyrie, Jalen Brown. No, Jalen Gordon. Brown. Why Jalen Brown? Why? Because I think what you're going to, what I would do defensively is I would run, and then I would I would run Marcus Morris, and basically the idea is that you're just going to be versatile and you're just going to switch a bunch of stuff, and Kyrie's going to handle that, and then you're going to... I think that would work relatively well, and then offensively you're going to be fine. Is Jaylen, it'll, it'll work itself out. Is Jalen Brown a guy you could see being the third best guy on a championship team? A start? Could you see him being a starter on a championship team? Not right now, but eventually, possibly. You see, I don't... The problem with, like... So here's the problem. The reason I really wish that they somehow figure out to, like, put Jalen Brown... I think Cleveland wanted him. Put Jalen Brown in the trade rather than Jay Crowder. I would much rather have Jay Crowder because Jay Crowder lets me do a lot more things. Whereas Jalen, I well, don't... Well, right now, I mean, that's why they made they made this move for, like, how, who's going to be better three years so, from now. So not if I have Jalen Brown on the court, that means I don't have Smart. So I would rather have Smart on the court. I would rather have Rosier on the court. I would rather have Hayward on the court. I would rather have uh, Jason Tatum on the court. I'd, maybe I'd rather have uh, uh, Gerson Jabzule rather than like Jalen Brown. You know, as I said, he was the three pick. Yes, on one of the worst drafts in the history of time. Which spot does he go in this draft? It, there's a challenge with that though, because I think this draft went very different from my own board. For me, he probably would have been below Isaac, but I had Isaac above Jason Tatum. So I, I think I probably would have had Jalen below Tatum. But the problem is, the thing about it is. You're not comparing apples to apples because Jalen Brown already has a year in the NBA. I think Jalen Brown, even if you have assume, Tatum as a better assume, prospect, Jalen Brown has a year in the NBA. He'll be better this year than let's Tatum. Let's assume it's, he's coming out, he doesn't have a year in the NBA. So it's Jalen Brown as he was before he had a year in the NBA. Where does he go in the 2017 draft? Do you I mean, I, I, I would have prob- I would have probably had him. I probably would have had him like seventh or eighth on my board. Somewhere I think, like that. I think he probably goes to the Hornets at 11 because I don't. I don't think that, are are the are the Timberwolves taking him? Well, no, but that you you don't come, you don't do it pick by pick. You do it with where he would have been on your board because the, you get into the isolated picks. I mean, yeah, the Knicks might have done something stupid again, but the Knicks do something stupid all the time. Well, I think so I, I mean for me, you know, I had Dennis Smith third, so I'm not going to say I'm not going to say I would, rather, say, have, I would rather, I'd rather have Nick and I would rather have Dennis Smith Jr. and I'd rather have Zach Collins than I would. It's you got to get me to like Malink Monk before I go like yeah that's probably where he goes yeah maybe you take him over to Aaron Fox but I don't think so I mean the, the, the thing I'm trying to get to is like and and I know people love Jalen Brown but like I haven't seen it I think he's a guy who's going to wind up being like a seventh or eighth man and the problem is on this team I don't have the minutes for him so because I would rather have the minutes that he would get go to Smart as I said Smart. I would rather have them go to Hayward. I would have, rather have them go to Tatum, who needs the minutes. I would rather have them go to Terry Rozier, who needs the minutes. So he's, like, on my depth chart, 8th or ninth. So uh, why did I keep him instead of, like, maybe talking the cows into taking him over Crowder, right? And maybe I talk him into taking him over Crowder, and then maybe I get him to, like, not take the – maybe you don't take the Nets pick. Well, but, but he, here's, why, here's why you do it that way, because if Boston Boston was doing a recalibration and a shift, if they didn't think they were good enough to be a championship team this year with Jay Crowder, in the future, if we're looking forward – 
the idea of him being a good player and a good contract, he's going to be getting older and his contract will be getting shorter. So it'll be getting worse. And Jalen Brown will be getting better and he'll will still, they'll still have match rights on the end of that. So if you're, if you're kind of equivalent of punting on this year or largely punting on this year, then you have to change your expectations. Like I, I think that Jay Crowder is absolutely miles better as a player right now. But if you were to say who's going to provide more value from 2018 to 2020 or 21, I think you can make a very good argument that it's Jalen Brown. Yeah, it comes down to the fact that again, the problem is also I don't know that they I don't know that like the Celtics want a world in which they have to play in two thousand minutes, Jalen Brown. That's the problem. Because well, I don't I don't think they're in a world where they have to play anybody that many minutes if they don't deserve it. I mean when I when I say Jalen Brown is like he's my fifth starter, that is subject to a million other guys outperforming him. I mean, like, so, you know, yeah, Marcus Smart's in the mix. Do you think, I, would, I probably wouldn't have Rozier in the mix. Do you think Jalen Brown's Yeah, Tatum's value, there. You think Brown's value is going to be higher than... Is, is his value going to be any higher than it was this summer? I think his value is going to go down, basically. Yeah, it you know? could be. I mean, I'll need to see it. I mean, the the challenge was he looked inconsistent last year, and so they they have a better idea of where he is right now than we do. I saw him in summer league. He looked fine. You know, what didn't blow my socks up, but, you know, Jason Tatum really didn't either. So we'll, we'll just have to see with it. And in terms of value proposition, yeah, it's entirely possible that we'll be watching him at the end of this year and think, oh, yeah, he's not going to be a starter on a pl- team as good as the Celtics want to be. I, but I, I that's I'm, sort of a separate question. I, I hope I'm wrong, but, like, everything I've seen so far leads me to think, like, he's a nice piece but not a great one, and I, I'm I'm mad that that's that they kind of, I think, valued him more than they should have. Well, I mean, to me, the big mistake in all that, and we don't need to talk about this long, but you and I haven't talked about it at all, is that the bigger mistake wasn't the, wasn't the Kyrie trade. It was giving away Markel Fultz. Like, Markel Fultz had this ludicrously high ceiling, and yeah, maybe it doesn't work out, maybe you get into everything else, but with Markel Fultz, you have the guy who can take you into the stratosphere. You know, you talked about the, the idea of Draymond Green, you know, that, that somebody really outperforms it. Before they need a Draymond Green, they need a Steph Curry or a Kevin Durant. There's, and there's, I think Fultz gave them a much better shot of that than Tatum does. There's some noise out there. Like, apparently the Kyrie thing was, like, longer. That, that was out there beforehand. So I think that was actually, like, I think they thought. They were already not thinking they needed a point guard. There's a possibility that's that's kind of what happened. And I... I would have rather I don't disagree with trading Fultz because I think he has flaws and I would have rather have ball and like that's that's who I wanted, but the Celt- the Lakers were taking ball. So I, I, I get not taking him at the one and basically trading out so you get either the Lakers pick or the uh, Kings pick in the next draft, which if you were already signed Hayward, which everything I've heard leads me to think that the Hayward thing was a done deal. So the Hayward thing was apparently a do- Hayward is a big League of Legends player player, he loves it. He wanted to be in Boston for Pax Heat. He wanted to be. He was there at the. There was a, a CSGO tournament, the final at Boston, the cup for for the North American League, and he was there. He he wanted to be there. This was done, a done deal. So they knew Gordon Hayward was on the on the board. They thought they might get Kyrie, so they didn't want a point guard, and they basically said, "Okay, we'll punt. We'll get the pick, and we'll also get that." Kings or Lakers, so we, the Celtics are either getting the Lakers pick if it's, I believe it's two to five in 2018, or the Kings pick the year after, which will be a terrible, like will be a great pick because the Kings are terrible. So they kind of punted and got Tatum at three. I disagree with picking Tatum at three because I think both you and I liked Isaac better. Is that a fair assessment? You and I both like Isaac better. Well, and I like Dennis Smith better too. Well, yeah, I mean, like, it, like 
I was annoyed because I thought jo- Isaacs, for me, because he's a seven-footer, was a better fit for what this team needed, which is they need a guy who can actually get the boards because Orford is terrible at rebounds because he's always covering people. So nobody gets rebounds on this team, and they killed that. I thought Isaacs was a really good fit. Plus, he has skills. But I agree with you. I like Dennis Smith Jr. I think we still need to talk about him. But, like, I kind of agree in principle with what they did, given that they ended up with Kyrie. But I wish they hadn't taken Tatum at the three. I also wish I hadn't taken Jalen Brown the year before. So I've disagreed with the picks both years. I, from what I've seen of Tatum, Tatum might be slightly. Tatum is a pick to my model, and he's slightly better than I thought. But again, I don't. I'm not convinced yet that he's going to be. They need him to be good, right? And I don't know that that's the case yet. Do Do you, do you agree with me, basically, or am I? I'm not completely sure he's going to be good in ways that are entirely useful. I like Tatum back. I, so I thought he was one of the, not the super standouts, but the next level of standouts at the Hoop Summit in 2016. I thought he was intriguing. I thought he was going to do well in college. He did do well in college, but he was outpaced by guys like Fultz. And actually, I really like Jonathan Isaac. He was on his way at that point. He, you know, he had we a weird love, year for Florida State. We love Isaac. He's a guy who was like, I love guys. He's like a little bit like Boris Diaw where he's a guard and he basically grew. He's also 19, and again, here's my point. I think this, there's a chance he winds up as a seven-footer by the end, and like, I would rather have a guy but, who can but, play center. Well, well, so the other thing well, with, with Tatum is, is that I, one of the things that he that he's intriguing on is you know his offensive game. You know he could be useful, but I don't think he's going to be the best offensive player on a good team. And if he's you know second or third on your second or third on your focus list on that end, he's just less valuable. He was can there, be a good rebounder. He could be a good defender. Was it? But was, Tatum, there, was there a better defender at the four than Isaac? You think in that draft? No, that's not what. Because of watching the tape and seeing that guy, I like seeing that player at 19 with the ball handling skill that he had because he was a guard and the defense he was playing in college, he was, to me, he was a perfect fit for what the Celtics wanted to do. Because if you were rolling... If, if, if they were going to move, move, make the trade down, Smith or Isaac, to me, would have both been better fits, especially if they were confident that they were getting Gordon Hayward. Then what we we talked about this a little bit with the Magic. What I like about Isaac is that he's a complimentary guy. And if you if the Celtics had that vision for what their team is going to be, they need a complimentary guy more than they need what Tatum's going to be. Wouldn't you feel miles better about the Celtics if it was like Kyrie and either Rozier or Smart Hayward, Isaacs, and like, and like, and, and Al Horford as their go-to. Like, this is their lineup in the playoffs. Isn't that better? I mean, like, because I'm not asking in that lineup. I'm not asking Isaac to do anything other than cover people on the like, cover, like, defend and rebound. That's what I'm asking him to do, right? And if he can do anything else, that's bonus. And I don't like. I need Tatum. Like, if I'm the Celtics and I have any aspirations this year, I need Tatum to be good. I need somebody to be good at the four. It's not going to be Jalen. It's going to have to be Tatum. Right. I mean, like, who else is it going to? It's not going to be Marcus Morris. So I kind of need Tatum to be something that he he's more of a finesse player. I don't know if he has that defense yet. Whereas with Isaacs, I thought he was a better fit to what they needed. Right. And yeah, I did, too. This is let's let's get back. Let's get back to their odds a little bit. Um, So we both like the under here. Yes. Underplay. Underplay. And then their title odds are ten and a half that are ten and a half percent. So it would be. Eleven. It's 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 like eleven point four to win the title. Eleven point four. Point. Yeah, that's way too. That's way too rich for me. I I don't think. I think their their odds are they're way lower than that. I don't like. I don't like the point two. I don't like their. What do you think of the two point five for the conference? Don't like it at all. Yeah, I don't love it. What about the eleven point four to win the title? 
Nope. So we don't like we like the under on the Cavs and the Celtics. We both agree. I think it's gonna be close. I mean, I think don't get me wrong. I respect Stevens. I think he's going to get them to win. Like they'll win something similar. They'll win like fifty three games. But on the under, we're betting the under against 50, 55 and a half, right? Which I think like they can win fifty five games and we win that under bet. Which you know I think that if they won fifty five games and got the number one seed in the East. Uh, they would be extremely happy with that. And given, again, here's, again, my take on the Celtics is this is a very, very young team, right? So the Celtics have, on their roster, they have one... With a lot of adjustment, too. Like, the, remember, this is not only a young team. This is a young team full of guys that haven't played together. They have seven... They don't have continuity. They, they have seven guys who didn't play last year in the NBA currently on the roster. They have Yabuzle, Tatum, Larkin, Thais, Daniel Thais, Semi Ojale. Kadeem Allen and Javario, the seven guys in the roster that didn't play a minute last year in the NBA, right? Well, and and Abdul Nader, he played in the D League. Oh, yeah, I don't even have I don't even have him on the roster. So like it's eight. So they have eight guys. I think if if they win fifty five games with a roster of all these rookies, then the future is bright. I think it's going to be more like fifty one. <laughs> I do think they'll probably get better as the season goes on because they'll figure it out. And they're going to miss Jay. And yeah. They're going to miss Avery. Like Avery Bradley is probably one of the best. All I saw a game with Curry and Avery Bradley. And my impression was like Curry is crazy, like in terms of how fast he shoots. And Avery Bradley is the best all ball, all ball, all ball, on ball defender I've ever seen in my life live. And they're going to miss that. I, I do think it's kind of canceled out a little bit by losing Isaiah, but they're going to miss that. They're going to miss Jay on the wing. So again, I think the under is an obvious bet here. This doesn't mean we think that the Celtics are going to be bad. This just means that we think that 55 and a half is kind of a crazy number, right? Speaking of crazy numbers, Kyrie at 12 to 1 for MVP is just ludicrous. Um, or 16 or anything. He's not going to win the MVP. Volume-wise? How many points a He's game? He's not going to do it. How many points a game? Remember, they have, Gordon, they have Gordon Hayward on this team. True. They're going to play a faster pace, but I agree with you. that He's not going to win the MVP. He's not He's he's not that guy. He, I, I'm a big believer in what Kyrie can do in the playoffs. I mean, I was there for, for basically the entire 2016 finals. I saw what he did. But as a regular season award, he's not going to do it. What about Jason Tatum at 12-1? For rookie of the year? Yes. Uh, that's not terrible. I I think it's a. I would have him a little lower than that, but he's not. It's gonna, you know. It's not, not, get, it's not terrible. If you're if you're a bigger believer in him than I am, you could throw some money on it. I don't think he's he's not going to get the ball enough, right? He's not. That's 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 my feeling on that. He's just not going to get the ball enough to do it. So yeah. Well, yeah, and remember, there are a lot of point guards in this class. There are a lot of guys who are going to get those counting stats. So he's going to have to. And remember, even if he starts, he's going to be behind in the pecking order. He's going to be clearly behind. Hay- Hayward and behind Kyrie, probably behind Al Horford and potentially their fifth starter, whoever the heck that is. So yeah, I, I, it's unlikely to me. It's possible, but it's unlikely. So I think for the East, do we agree that? So who do who who do we think is winning the East this year? Cleveland, to me. But I think that like the field is a lot more interesting this year, and I think out of the field, sure. who do you like out of the field in the East? Milwaukee, Washington. <sighs> Well, so relative to their current numbers, I would say Milwaukee, but I would say Boston overall, just because I think yeah. I think they just have the most talent. But I'd say it's to me, it's Boston and Milwaukee are probably the the one and two. It might even be Milwaukee, just because Giannis is Giannis is special in a way that none of the Boston guys have proven so far. Yeah, it might be one of the situations where we get like Milwaukee beats Cleveland. We get that we get a Milwaukee Boston final, like a conference finals, uh, which would be that would be wild. Which would be like, everybody forgets that Detroit Piston teams that lost to the Cavs team. You remember who the best player on that Detroit Piston teams was, team was? I always think of it as, as Rip, but it probably wasn't. No, it was Chris Webber. 
Really? Chris Weber was the best player on, like, Chris, remember, Chris Weber got traded to that Pistons team. And it, like, so if you rewatch that series now, it's like, so Chris Weber is like, you can see Chris Weber just his face. It's like, because he, he's in the East, he thinks he's going to get to the finals, and then LeBron happened. And it's, it's just, your heart kind of breaks for a little bit. Because really, kind of, I mean, that Pistons team was better than that Cavs team. It's just LeBron was just, you know, hey, just amazing. Uh, and so that that's what happened. Do we, we agree that the best the best bet on the board is the Raptors to win the division, right? Yeah, I'd say that's probably the best bet on the board, especially because you can get it at six six point five. So you know you're getting the higher higher rate return on it. I think that's a really good a really good thing on that. So I think the big picture thing that I want to say on the Eastern Conference is we know that there are going to be a lot of low end teams in this division, and who beats who and who picks up extra games is going to really define a lot of this and. I think there's more uncertainty in that for me than maybe there is for some other people. The fact that we disagreed on the first, like we just disagreed on the first six picks on the bottom of the East is like just an indicator of that like the East, the bottom of the East is really kind of like, huh? We, we, we have no clue exactly what's going on there. Uh, I mean, we started to agree more at the top, but I think that like, yeah, it's confusing exactly what's going to happen. And I think that like, a lot's going to depend on who gets moved where. I do think that there's going to be a lot of tanking teams this year. And and there's going to be a lot of weirdness in the East. Like, we'll, we'll talk about, like, you know, we'll talk about part of the problem is, like, there's a lot of talent on the other side. You might have... How many 55 teams do you think we have in the West? Well, let, let's save that for the West. Yeah, let's let's save that for the Western part. But, yeah, yeah. but there are a lot. I think that's part of what's going on here. It is. And, and so, yeah, we'll, we'll get to that. Well, as, as always, Eastern Conference, interesting, more disagreement than usual, but thank you so much for coming on. Yeah, it was a lot of fun. We still have to do the West, and that's coming soon, guys. Absolutely. Thanks again to Arturo Galetti for taking the time to come on. You can check out the work that he's going to do actually this year for Daily Roto. He's going to help put together their NBA product. And you can also follow him on Twitter at American Numbers, A-M-E-R-I-C-A-N-N-U-M-B-E-R-S. And considering Arturo is based in Puerto Rico, I want to take a quick second to extend my sympathy to the people, particularly of the Caribbean, who have been dealing with just such a a brutal stretch of, of it, including Hurricane Maria that's going through pretty much as we speak. And, you know, Irma, of course, as well earlier, and it's not over yet. So if you if you choose to support those causes, including the, the work that Tim Duncan is doing for the Virgin Islands in particular, definitely do so. I, I highly recommend it. Arturo and I already recorded the second half of this, but as you could guess for a podcast that runs over two hours, these are a bear to edit. So that will be the podcast for next week. I'll probably work on it between now and then. So I'm guessing early next week, but it will be the Real Jam Radio for next week. And it's a lot of fun. I mean, we we have better teams to talk about in some ways, but we, we go in some fun directions with it. And of course, talk about the league in general as a part of that broadcast. You can hear it different moments than this that we said, hey, let's save that for the second half. And we absolutely do use all of that in the second half. If you want to support this show, there are a lot of great ways you can do it. You can leave a rating, leave a review in the podcast player of your choosing. You can subscribe. You can download every episode. We're still at the point where those metrics really do matter, so we appreciate it. And if you have any feedback on the show, you can reach out, good, bad, indifferent, Danny LaRue, NBA at gmail.com. 
at Daniel on Twitter. Email's better, but if you take the time to write it, I will take the time to read it. That's the least I can do. And the single best way that you can support this show, and really any other show that has them, is by checking out our advertisers. So for this episode, that is Bombfell, a better way for men to get clothes. I'm really liking the program so far. And it's bombfell.com slash realgm. You get $25 off your first order. And FanDuel. So you go to FanDuel.com and join now, enter the promo code REALGM, and you get in into a big money contest, and you get to check it out. I, I really have enjoyed the last couple of weeks, and we'll continue to update on my progress. That wasn't great this past week, but I was also gone part of the weekend, so it wasn't the best for doing research. But I'm excited to keep going with FanDuel, and I really have had fun, and the lack of the year-long fantasy stress has really, I've, I've really enjoyed it so far. So you can check all that out. I already told you what the podcast is. If you have anything that you definitely want to hear before the start of the season, because of course Nate and I are going to do a lot of kind of season preview-y stuff on Dunked On, and my goal with this podcast is always to not overlap with Dunked On whenever possible. So let me know if there's something I am going to probably have on Sam Vecini at some point. We'll talk about prospects and everything like that, but I want to get a better handle on them before I start talking about him because I like to have at least some knowledge. So we'll probably do that at some point in the near term and figuring out everything else from there. So thanks again. If you want to check out Bombfell and FanDuel, you definitely should. And look forward to talking to you all next week with the second half of the Mammoth Arturo Galetti podcast. And you should definitely check it out and spread the word. You know, tell people this is one of the most fun ones we do of the year. So hopefully you check it out. Thanks again. Take care and make it a great day. If you're struggling with alcohol or drugs, Recovery Centers of America can help. The holidays are over, the new year is here, and the time to act is now. Expert private care at Recovery Centers of America will get you on the road to recovery today. So call 1-888-RECOVERY-NOW. At our fully accredited world-class treatment center in Monroeville, Pennsylvania, you will be treated with compassion, dignity, and respect by our dedicated team of professionals. You will also benefit from specialized programs, 24-hour medical care, and the comfort of our outstanding facilities. Let us help you. We will answer your call 24-7 and can get you into treatment as soon as today. If outpatient care is right for you, you can receive a same-day assessment and attend therapy in person or virtually. And because we accept most private insurance plans, you get premium care without the premium price. Don't wait. Start your new year. Start your new life today. Call 1-888-RECOVERY now. That's 1-888-RECOVERY.